Hi, excuse me. Oh, hi. I'm Dan Rydell. They said you wanted to see me? Yes, yes, I do. Hi, I'm Mallory Moss. I just started this week, so please pardon the mess. That's fine. Look, there's a revolving door here on business affairs, and I go through this with all the new people. My out-of-town expense sheets tend to be a little unusual. Yes, I noticed, but that's not the problem. What's the problem? During your broadcast on September 5th, you sang happy birthday to your partner, Casey McCall. Yeah, but I can explain that. I... Wait, it was his birthday. Why do I have to explain that? You sang happy birthday on the air? Dana cleared it. Who's Dana? Dana Whitaker's the producer of the show. Oh, yes. Well, my predecessor didn't clear it. Who's your predecessor? Marty Scheinbaum. Who's Marty Scheinbaum? My predecessor. <laughs> Look, I don't have a whole lot of time, so... I think it's sweet that you and your partner sing to each other on television. Others may think it's vaguely gay, but I disagree. Nonetheless, you can't do it anymore. Why not? It's against the law. It's against the law to be vaguely gay? It's against the law to sing Happy Birthday on television. That doesn't sound quite right to me. It is. You went to law school and everything, right? Yeah. You took the bar? Three times. It's against the law to sing Happy Birthday on television. Federal copyright law. Happy Birthday is protected material. Yes. Who holds the copyright to Happy Birthday? The representatives of Mildred and Patty Hill. Mildred and Patty Hill. The authors. The authors. They wrote it. They wrote the song. Did you think that song just happened? Well, yeah. Uh, it didn't. It doesn't matter. Yes, indeed. They filled the network $2,500. $2,500 to sing Happy Birthday? Yes. Ouch. Intellectual property, droit morale, fair use, royalty structure. These things may not mean anything to you, but I assure you they mean a great deal to me, and they meant a great deal to my predecessor. Marty Scheinbaum. Marty Scheinbaum. <laughs> you know what? From now on, I'm only singing songs in the public domain. That'll teach him. I'm not kidding. Go knock him dead. Well, another year has come and gone. So grab your party hat and put that on. We're going to drink a lot of beer and smoke a lot of pot. And if you're supposed to work tomorrow, better call and tell us to off. Happy birthday to you. All your friends are here and your Get some action, drink it till you spew. Happy birthday to you. Well, we're gonna go out and hit every bar. All your drinks are on the house, yeah, you're the star. Get all drunk and rowdy, gonna turn some heads. Gonna party down so hard, we're gonna tear this down to shreds. Happy birthday to you. All your friends are here and your Hope you get some action. Drink until you spew. Happy birthday to you. I said happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Sarah Dillon. Thank you, Rick. Happy birthday, Sarah. Thank you, Tim Ridley. Why, hello. It is uh, 8 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of October in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed and cheer-filled studios of AM 970 The Talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into whimsy. All right, it is uh, Thursday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for coming along. It's 503 
if you want to join us today. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvitches, kvetches, recipes, two cents, ruminations, ponderings, musings, uh, whatever you might have today. 503-733-2970. Uh, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at... RickEmerson.com, uh, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. All right. Before we go any further here, we should note that I'm holding in my hand. Now, I thought it was just a birthday gift for Sarah because you were special, but we all got one of these. I swear to God, just as we were coming in to the studio this morning, Richie Bristol appeared in the studio and he said to Sarah, he said, What's your favorite color? And then before you really had a chance to answer, he decided for you and he said, Pink. And then he held out his hand, and he handed you something. And he handed you, Sarah Dillon, a bottle of, I'm reading now, Liquid Love Warming Massage Lotion. Yes, mine is strawberry scented or flavored or whatever it is. And so without letting you feel special or unique for even a second, he then gave me one, and he gave Tim one. So we've all received little bottles of massage lotion from... Of Liquid Love from Richie. We all received Liquid Love from Richie Crystal this morning. And he said, I'd like pink. <laughs> Oh, but then he won up this. What is that other thing he gave you? So he, he gave us all little bottles of massage lotion. By the way, for those playing the home game, Richie noted, I swear to you this is true as much as I'd like to believe it's not. As Richie Bristol came into the studio and handed us all these tiny little bottles of massage oil this morning, he noted with some alarming degree of specificity that this was actually the same kind of lotion, hopefully not the same bottle of lotion, that he used slash uses when he's online talking to hot Asian transsexuals. Oh, God. Really? I didn't hear him say that. Oh, you didn't hear that? Tim and I both heard it when he goes, this is the same kind I use that I'm chatting online. And Tim actually opened his bottle to make sure it was sealed. I think Tim thought he was had been given, like, the actual bottle. You know, I don't know. Anything warm down in, down in any kind of area just doesn't seem like it would be fun. Seems like it might be uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, like, a burning sensation probably wouldn't be, like, yeah. sexy. Yeah, Richie's used but to that. I think I might give Richie his liquid love back. So, so Richie... So he also gave me this. Now, what is this other thing he's given you? It looks like half a pair of underwear with a bunch of ribbons attached to it. I don't understand how that even goes I on. I don't know. It looks like a cat toy. I, I was just going to say it looks like a doily. I thought this was the front, but then the tags on, or the back, but then the tags on the front, but then... How does that part strap on? Uh, strap on, maybe, is the wrong set of words. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the back? Look, I don't mean to sound... Oh, okay, I think I got it. I don't even know how you would wear that. Oh, so it goes in the opposite direction. Maybe All right. it's from Australia. Maybe. It's a Coriolis garter. Can I... Now, you may feel uncomfortable doing this, Sarah, but is it possible? Would you feel comfortable taking a photo of that just, like, laying on the counter? Oh, not, yeah. No, I'm just trying to... But not you laying on the counter, but just lay that on the counter and take a photograph of it so people can see what you're talking about? Yes. This is ridiculous. Because, and by the way, if, if this was at, if this was at any other workplace and if this had not been in the studio, that would be a call to the HR department, like, right now. Ah, uh, but it's Richie. I know. It's Richie, and he's he's harmless and creepy. So... Okay, see, I think I got it. How does that, how do you wear that? Oh. See, but that's what I mean. How do you even, I don't even understand how it goes on and where you're supposed to tie those things. There's like these right, little see, lacy strap things, you know, but I don't even know where they would go. It looks like... Okay, see it? See it now? I I, I guess. Like that's, this is the back. Oh, I see, I suppose. And but it ties on the sides. And is the, the extra tying ribbony part supposed to be like sexy? Yeah, I think like so somebody can like pull it off. Somebody can unwrap you? Yeah, this that's, is the church. This that, is the steeple. <laughs> this Open is the door. 
<laughs> I don't think that works here. I don't, I don't think I don't think that rhyme functions in this context. All right. So it looks like a triangular doily that is attached with long sort of lacy Christmas ribbon that you would use to lace up some sort of Christmas present. And I'm making it sound like way sexier than it is because it just looks weird. It really does look weird. All right, we'll get a photo of that posted later today. So that was Richie's present to, uh, to Sarah this morning. A small bottle of lotion and like a wrappy, lacy, doily thing for your area. Yeah, thank you, Richie. Okay. Uh, coming up later on today, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us to add a touch of sophistication to the program. Uh, we'll also talk to uh, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Uh, our good friend Fatboy Roberts will join us today. He'll count down the top five teen films of all time, a Herculean task. Uh, top five teen films of all time. Dorothy Carcassari going to be here for the National Enquirer. Not here, but he'll be on the phone for the National Enquirer. Uh, I would encourage you to put these things away before 1145, because at 1145, Storm Large and Byron Beck will be in the studio. You don't want them to be anywhere, and by them I mean Byron, to be anywhere near lace or oil or anything that you blow on. The lotion. Richie yes. says you blow on the lotion, it gets hot. So, um... Perhaps no. I can re-gift my warming lotion to Byron and or Storm. There you go. Do that as he's leaving. Yeah. Do that on his way out of the studio, if you would. <laughs> you don't want little blue no. handprints all over the counter? No, I don't. Uh, and they wouldn't be on the counter. All right. Storm Large will be here along with Byron Beck to talk about candidates gone wild. That'll be uh, later this hour. We're going to be do... Uh, we'll do our 60 seconds of speaking contest for a pair of tickets to see Henry Rollins. He's going to be at the Newmark Theater... Next Monday, the 13th, Henry Rollins spoken word, which is genius. And we will be uh, endeavoring to give away a pair of tickets today. 60 seconds of speaking for that. It is High Concept Thursday, which we may or may not get to, because we've got so much other stuff to get to today. Um, I, it, in the future, when they ask you what the final nail in the John McCain coffin was, uh, I mean, figuratively speaking, in the final nail of his of the, of the coffin, of his campaign anyway, when they ask you when that moment was, you will say it's when you heard... A soundbite on the Rick Emerson radio program. And, Tim, do you know the soundbite I'm talking about? Hmm, I'm not came, sure. It was the one that came out late last night. You may have already heard it. If you haven't, I'm not going to spoil the surprise. I played it for Chris Paddock, and we both... And I'd already heard it two or three times. Somebody said... I had a listener send me... And this is real. It's not fake. I had a listener send me uh, a clip of John McCain speaking yesterday afternoon. The listener sent it to me. I played it, and I cringed like I have not cringed in weeks. I mean, way more than, I'm a hockey mom from Alaska. It was way worse than that. And I and it was the thing, like, when you see something horrible and you immediately, like, you see Tub Girl and you're like, hey, come in, look at this. I called Chris oh, Paddockin and I said, hey, watch John McCain. And I played this this thing of John McCain speaking. And Chris, it, it, he recoiled. And then we watched it twice more in a row and it never got any less horrible. We watched this John McCain thing and we both kind of went, oh, no. So, I'll play that for you later on so you can say to yourself, well, that's the moment when it all ended. Um, and uh, so, but, oh, and by the way, and I don't know how we're going to do this, or if we are, I have to say this. Um, I have in my hand, I mean, I got the whole thing, but I got in my hand the first seven pages of the Sarah Palin porn film that Larry Flint is making, the script. I have here the first seven pages of Nalen Palin. And it's... I mean, it's just genius. It's wonderful. So I had this whole thing we were going. We were going to, like, act it out. But I, I'm i not really sure now. Now that I've had my coffee, I don't know if that's a good idea. So we may or may not act out the first seven pages of the Nail and Palin porn script. Uh, and uh, and so forth. Oh, and then I we have the coolest geek thing that has happened. And really, I use that phrase. This is the coolest thing in the history of... 
This may be, and I will reveal this as soon as Tim does his news uh, overview here. You know, but but you know, we can all agree that this uh, you know this show does resonate. Uh, you know, with with with, with folks in, in a great deal of ways, a great number of ways in which this show, I think, makes you know some kind of an impact on people, or it, you know, it just it, or it filters its way into their. You know, we hear people like talking about they can't go to sleep because they got the white wheat sourdough thing going around in their head, or uh, you know, you know, we got the, the, we, some of our more crazed listeners uh, will make it a mission to take the, the sticker or the logo or a T-shirt and photograph it in some far-flung locale. And then I got a, I got a photograph one time of, of a, a sticker from our show stuck on the side of a castle wall in Scotland. Some listener went to Scotland. Rick Emerson shows sticker right on the wall. Yoink. And then they take a picture of it and they send it back to us. I do have to say, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, that the name of this show, a reference to this show has been placed in uh, an immortal context. We have achieved a degree of, dare I say it, geek immortality. And I got confirmation of it this morning. And I know it's a bit of a big guarantee, so don't let me forget to reveal this as soon as Tim does his news tease. So uh, we have achieved just a... Uh, part of this show will live forever uh, now. And, I've, and I have received confirmation of this this morning. So we'll reveal that here in a second. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification. Six families still can't go home after the house slid down the hill. Three bank robbers in an hour end with a standoff in Southeast. Yeah. Oh, you know what I should have done? Home? I have no home. It's still not too late. I don't, I don't, do I don't have a follow-up line to that. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Experts claim Sarah Palin is related to Princess Diana. Uh-huh. <laughs> the U.S. may take over partial ownership of banks. AIG will get an additional $38 billion in a handout. Five million fraudulent loans were made to illegal aliens. An Illinois sheriff refuses to evict foreclosure victims. An irate woman is charged with pouring hot water on her husband's groin. A separate woman claims her husband held her prisoner for 50 years. All right, then. There you go. Um... And so, wait, what was... Did you hand me that for a second? I was going to make a comment about something, and now it's, it just fell out of my brain. Hold on, let me look at that. Just one second here. U.S. Oh, oh, yeah, the U.S. may take over partial ownership of banks. So that's what they're doing in Britain, by the way. Yeah. And you know how I know this? You read. Well, that that is true. I read everything, Tim. But I was watching CNN last night. You know who was on CNN? Richard, Richard Quest. Quest. Well, for the first time in a long time. Back. Back, baby. None no, the... I was thinking about him the other day and wondering what happened to him. I was thinking about him, too. And you know, it's like we conjured him Beetlejuice style. I was watching CNN, watching Anderson Cooper, as I always do. And they went to, uh, they did that thing where at like midnight or whatever, they switch over and it goes to CNN International. Oh, International, yeah. Which is sort of great. But let me ask you this. When you're watching international news or listening to international news, does it make you feel kind of dumb? Because they seem so much smarter than us. Like when you listen, like did you ever listen to BBC radio news or something? Yes, I download the podcast on my way in the morning. Nerd. <laughs> Um, but which is great. I, I have mean, three or four of them. Would you like to listen? Would you listen, would you listen to it? And the BBC Radio News. And looking at the Americas, we see today that the banking crisis has reached a new threshold of financial disaster. And you're listening to it going, God, we're dumb. Because if you turn on any newscast here, it's like, you know, I was going to go. Squirrel. I was going to say, or here's a penis watch. So, I mean, really, the, the BBC news is just, it makes me feel dense. And the CNN International News does the same thing. But I'm watching it, uh, I think it was last night. And they go to CNN International and they say, you know, the, the American banking crisis continues to, uh, you know, the ripple effect continues to trickle downward, causing havoc in the economy. Now with more, CNN International's Richard Quest. 
And the greatest thing was, just as they throw it to Richard Quest, the announcers, the anchors, brace just a little bit because he's, you know, because he's a force of nature. It's like they're almost sort of, it's like they're cringing a little bit, waiting for his onslaught. And Richard Quest, who, of course, was in the news because he got busted for having drugs, I think, in Central Park. And there's a whole, like, he had a dildo in his boot or something. There's some whole weird story. But, man, he's right out of the gate. He's got Richard Quest! And, he's, and he immediately does this whole huge thing about the banks. And he's got the big teeth. And he's screaming into the camera. And it was just great. It was so good to see him back. So, welcome back, Richard Quest. We have missed thee. Uh, all right, before we talk to Sarah, uh, let me just say this. I'm going to read this here. This is, this is pretty fantastic. So, do you remember some time ago on this program, we had this guy in who, he, the name, he, you know, he calls himself Mr. Tamako. Because oh, he is God. the guy, he created the Tamako plant. And, of course, there was Tamako on The Simpsons, which is where Homer created a hybrid of t- tomato and tobacco. And it became, like, his number one cash crop or whatever. I can't remember how the episode ended. I think we talked to somebody related to that. Yeah. Yeah, because we, we it had was, Mr. Tamako. It was this guy. Yeah, we had him in because he actually created, he was inspired by The Simpsons, and he actually created a Tamako plant which was a tomato plant crossed with a tobacco plant, and he brought one in. We were going to preserve it in Lucite, but then we forgot and it rotted away or whatever. So we have actually had the real Mr. Tamako in here. Okay, I got this email from Mr. Tamako this morning. Rick. A mention of your program is on no. the Simpsons Season 11 DVD set. The, the Simpsons season, uh, season 11 DVD Tamako Commentary. When describing where my Tamakos went, I mentioned local radio talk show host Rick Emerson of the Rick Emerson program on the DVD commentary track. Said, if you want to, I will bring it down Friday so you can grab the soundbite. So the name of your program will be heard on tens of thousands of DVDs. Uh, signed, uh, your legend grows Mr. Tamako. So how great is that? That is great. So That's our show... Cool. The greatness grows. The, I, I We've mean, been mentioned on a Simpsons commentary. How great is that? That's like the single best thing. I'm not. I don't know if I want to say it's the single best thing that's ever happened because that's pretty. That's a pretty big. That's a pretty big statement. Um, but our program has now apparently been mentioned on the Simpsons season 11 DVD set. If you watch the Tamako episode of The Simpsons and you listen to the commentary, they do reference our program on a Simpsons commentary track. I mean. That's pretty freaking cool. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to be all gushy, especially about a thing that's about us, because then I just sound like a jerk, but come on, man. Like, you can't... There's no getting around. That's pretty goddamn awesome. That's what that is. That is... I mean, I, I can just, I can just uh, you know, have myself incinerated and shot into space right now. I mean, really, I might as well just go home. I mean, you don't, you don't get a lot better than that. You know, that our show is mentioned on the Simpsons DVD set that just came out. That's, you know, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty freaking great. And you know what? We could all, we could all just be run down by a speeding pack of oxen tomorrow, uh, and or whatever a thing of oxen is, and it wouldn't matter because our names will live on on the Simpsons DVD set that just came out for season eleven. So that, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much as good as it gets right there. All right, fantastic. Hello, Sarah Dillon. Happy Hello. birthday to you. Thank you. Thank you. I know I'm all I'm all old now. You look nice today. Thanks. All right. Have you dressed up for Byron? Be honest. I didn't know that Byron was going to be here oh. until, like, 11. Well, it's part of your natural everyday beauty, then. Didn't you just tell us that Byron was coming? I know. How would I have known? <laughs> I know. Uh, so, big plans for your birthday? Um, yeah, I'm going to have a couple friends over for dinner tonight. And, I, um, again, I finished up last night. I just uh, stayed in last night and had a mellow night. And 
I cleaned my apartment, so I'm gonna have to try and have a grown-up party tonight. Excellent. I'm excited. And then so now are you doing now because it's Thursday, so you're doing like a two like a like tandem parties or different. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have one this weekend at some point. All right. So that should be fun. Excellent. All right. Yeah. Um, oh, I did. Uh, I I do have something. Uh, I do have a small present for you. So. Oh, is it in here? Uh, no, it's, I left it upstairs. Okay. Um, let's let's not all get our hopes up. Uh, but I uh, but I but I did bring you. I do have a little something for you. All right, let's see. And do I have the soundbite? Let me see if I have the actual this McCain thing. I should play it now, and so we can sort of get it out of the way because we can talk about it later on. All right, a whole bunch, a whole bunch of other stuff. Let's see. What else? Just a couple brief notes here. Uh, don't forget, this is your last uh, day to go to uh, myspace.com slash Rick Emerson and post your top five teenage moping songs. Today, 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 the end of the show, I'll be contacting uh, one listener who has posted their top five at myspace.com slash Rick Emerson. And uh, if schedules work, you'll come in tomorrow and you'll count down your top five teenage moping songs. And then somebody, and I keep saying we're about to draw to a close, somebody reminded me that we have to have Lisa Desjardins do hers. So to the listener, then leases at some point, and then we are going to take at least like two months off from that. We we, we, we just have to because it's just become too depressing. Um, that being said, this one can't this one can't win. This one isn't qualified to win because it was somebody who sent it to me directly in a MySpace message, like they they sent it to my inbox, and so it can't win because of that because it did have to be posted a thing. And plus, and plus, if if I pick this one to be the winner, everybody will think I did it. Just because it's uh, because it's like some some hot girl uh, talking about a bunch of uh, I'll just read you this like one a bunch line. Of gothic now songs. here's what it, I'm gonna read you this one line from this top five that a girl sent to me last night via MySpace. Her recap of her own top five here is Rick. If this list says anything about me, it's that I was a whore in high school. <laughs> so if I pick this as the winner, everybody will think it's just because she was a whore in high school, and that would be true. So that one can't win, but I think I don't know. We'll actually play these, but I might ca- I might just sort of read it later because it's a hilarious list. All right, um, I'm gonna play this John McCain song. Yeah, I want to hear this if it's like flooring yeah. you and me. It's just it it it's not like it's not like it's the worst thing he ever could have said, but in light of so many things that have already come out of that guy's mouth and how unstable and off the rails his campaign already seems to be, and let's be honest, I don't mean to be cruel about this. I don't mean to be callous. Uh, you know, as and and I will say this once more for the record. I feel like we ought to just have these words printed in gold and, and hung above the studio door or something. You know, John McCain been through a lot, been through more than I could probably stand up to. You know, and and in many ways is uh, you know is a hero. And I think Seamus made this observation. He said, you know, can we just erect a 20-foot golden statue of him somewhere, and then tell him he can't be president? And the statue would be so we don't feel like jerks. For turning down a guy who is a war hero, you know, like we'll just can't we just put a huge, you know, put a huge monument to him in the middle of the country? And I don't mean to be snarky about it, you know, just to say yes, look, we understand you're a war hero, that's great, but you know what? It doesn't mean you have to be president. You know, the idea that you uh, that you really did fight and suffer for your country that is very honorable and it's admirable, and again, a braver man than I am, it doesn't mean I have to vote for you. I mean, that's just a fact. So, and let's also say, as a prelude to this, John McCain seems not a little bit senile a lot of the time. He just isn't senile. He just seems kind of crazy. Well, he, he had his time in, in the election when Bush started those nasty rumors about him. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that his, was his time. Yeah. 
And, and, and unfortunately, it slipped by. And it, it's a loss for all of us, really. It really is. That no, it didn't happen. You are completely right about that because his moment was in 2000 when he really was a maverick. He really was an independent. That was the time for him to win, and it didn't happen. And you're right, Tim. It was a loss for John McCain. It was a loss for the country. Uh, you know, and all that. But it's just a, his moment has passed. The the sinking up of man and moment. You know, it's, it's it, that that he has lost that his shot. He he's, he's you know, you take your shot and you miss, and sometimes you get a second go around, sometimes you don't. And not that he hasn't done a lot of good in the country, not being the president. He's right. done a lot of good work. Right. So let me play this. And then we will take a break. We'll come back with Lisa Desjardins, and then at 11.45, we'll talk to Storm and Byron. So this is John McCain speaking last night. I, I don't know exactly where, but it was some sort of campaign rally. Behind him are some hot blonde girl and Sarah Palin, who's doing her best not to look horrified as the soundbite is uttered. This is John McCain, who already seems a little bit batty uh, some of the time, speaking to a crowd of people last night. Here we go. Run up and balance the federal budget. See if you can spot when this goes wrong. term in office. <laughs> Across this, this country, this is the agenda I have set before my fellow prisoners, and the same standards of clarity and candor must now be applied to my opponent. All right, seriously, what the hell is that about? Other, like, what, I just assumed it was his own like war pris- like the other prisoners of war. Doesn't he... it sound like I don't think though so though? Isn't that? Doesn't it sound like he's talking about the country? Yes. Let me play it one more time, because it sounds to me like a Freudian, like a, like a slip. It sounds to me like he meant to say my fellow Americans mm-hmm. and slipped and said my fellow prisoners. And that's, you know, everybody I've talked to, could, that's the assumption. Well, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's play it again. Run up and balance the federal budget by the end of my term in office. Cross this... Across this country, this is the agenda I have set before my fellow prisoners. Now that's a mistake. And the same standards of clarity and candor must now be applied to my opponent. Yeah, that's okay. That's I only mistake. heard a small clip of it, and yeah. I thought that it was. No, I caught it the first time. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, that is a slip up. So that does not uh, solidify his position mm-hmm. in the mind of anybody who already thinks that maybe he's not all there sometimes. Take a break. We'll come back. Lisa Desjardins around the corner. Byron Beck, Storm Large, Tim Riley, all of that. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up in a few, Byron Beck from Willamette Week and Storm Large from Storm Large. Uh, they'll be talking about Canada's Gone Wild, which is coming up this coming Monday, ladies and germs. All right, uh, your phone calls uh, here in just a, a short while. This, however, is CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins joining us from the Hill. Hello, how are you today? Back on the Hill, it's nice. All right, are you in fact back on the Hill? You're not in transit from one hideous locale to another? I'm in my little booth on Capitol Hill. It's very nice. Happy to be back. Very, very quiet up here. Hey, wait a minute. You gotta find. You gotta work in some. Uh, create some sort of parody for the "I'm just a bill" on Capitol Hill. <laughs> okay. W- w- okay. One of two ideas. Either A, you gotta come up with some sort of description for yourself, uh, where instead of a bill on Capitol Hill, you are like Lisa doesn't rhyme with Bill, but you know what I mean. Something like that. Right. Or, or how about this? Uh, for one of your reports, some sidebar piece about the economy or the election or whatever, you need to come up with a sort of updated version of the I'm a bill on Capitol Hill, but then tie it into, like, the financial implosion or something. 
I think this is a great idea. And so you can just sort of do the story, and then you can say, and for you Gen Xers out there that maybe aren't quite sure how to grasp the specifics of this financial situation, I now give this to you schoolhouse rock style. <laughs> and then you do, but it's like the bailout bill, right? Right. right. Come on. You right. know that's gold. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, before we sort of plunge on into everything else here, um, I have to ask you this because we were just talking about it. You undoubtedly have, I mean... You have you've heard this weird thing that McCain said yesterday, right? The my fellow prisoners. You know, I yeah, I saw your email about that. I haven't I haven't heard I haven't actually heard that. I've, oh, I've, I've, let, seen, I've seen it written. Let me play it for you right now. Perfect. This is John McCain speaking, and I don't know where he was yesterday, but he was uh, speaking at a campaign rally, and he was up at the on the dais at behind the podium, and there was among other people, Sarah Palin was standing right behind him, and the. The best worst part of this is watching her face remain frozen in this sort of forced smile as he makes a really, really awkward and cringe-inducing slip that is either Freudian or, you know, of some other nature. This is John McCain speaking live yesterday at a campaign rally. Run up and balance the federal budget by the end of my term in office. Plus... Across this, across this country, this is the agenda I have set before my fellow prisoners, and the same standards of clarity and candor must now be applied to my opponent. So, in the one hand clapping. I, I mean, well, and and as he says it, Sarah Palin immediately kind of does that, like her smile becomes even bigger. You know, like in response to any sort of trauma, she just smiles and shows more teeth. Clinton laugh effect, yeah. But, but and but then behind McCain, you see some people in the crowd doing that sort of thing that typically you only see in a film, where they kind of look at each other and they go, "What the prisoners?" <laughs> so uh, you know that's the kind of thing. And again, I made this sort of stay. I made a, a little preamble earlier when I said that obviously, and eh, no one disputes that John McCain is very heroic and you know was very brave and went through a lot of things and fought for the country and suffered for the country and all of that. But these little things do pile up in terms of the perception of a candidate. And you know maybe ten years ago. Something like this wouldn't necessarily have an impact or have any traction or be a big deal. But, you know, in terms of the, you know, sort of the new media and the barriers that once existed or the filters that sort of existed in terms of content, this is the sort of thing that can really get out there. And I think to people, it can be one more straw on the camel's back about your perception of a candidate and maybe your perception of what's going on inside that head of his. You know, I mean, the thing is, he's the one running for president. But, of course, Joe Biden, you know, we talk about all the gas that he's had. You know, he, he said some things that really didn't turn out to be true, uh, historical references, that kind of thing. But remember, Joe Biden, uh, the day that he, uh, at, at their very announcement speech that he would be their vice presidential candidate, uh, he called Barack Obama, he got Barack Obama's name wrong three times. Right. Saying, saying Barack America. Now, you know, that, I guess it's different, first of all, because he's vice president and because it's sort of it feels like more random of a slip up versus John McCain is is a little eerie that he's since he was a prisoner of war for so long. And, well, you, know, a, you know, is this some PTSD? The Internet's full of like PTSD theories. And, you know, I'm glad I was really good to hear that because it, it does sound like he didn't even realize he said it. That's the thing. And I got a, a listener said, uh, Rick, I realize he just slipped up, but at the same time, I have to wonder what's going on in his subconscious that makes him say that specific word. I mean, he could have said my fellow pickles or something, <laughs> but he didn't say pickles. He said prisoners. What the hell? It sounds like you, this is just a stab in the dark. I have no idea, but I wouldn't be surprised if 
Um, obviously, he'd been thinking of that word for some reason, and you know, maybe maybe they were talking about you know what? How do, can we let's talk more about your time as a prisoner of right. war? You know, right. we need to emphasize your your history. You know, for some reason, that word was in his mind. I'm guessing uh, from a campaign conversation, or it is possible they're saying, "Hey, you know, America's being held prisoner by the media and by Barack Obama." You know, who knows why it was, but it sounds like there was a bigger campaign discussion that was kind of lingering there in his head, or it could be PTSD. Who knows? Who knows what it was? I don't know. I know you think this is it. This is this is you know, put the put the pin on the on the timeline, put it on your calendar right here. You know, this, this could be the beginning of, of a new set of problems for him, maybe. But I, I still think the economy is – I think it still comes down to uh, when he called the economy fundamentally sound. He still has to catch up from that moment. He, he still could. He definitely could. And he's trying. He's, he's got this new housing plan, uh, sort of new, and he's trying. But I, I think that's the moment that really really was the punch in the gut for his campaign. Well, you know, I think that there's – here's the other thing. From that debate the other night, the, the alleged debate, it was – it was sort of frustrating that John McCain, and you know, not that Barack Obama is not guilty of the same thing, but again, Barack Obama's ahead. Uh, John McCain is the guy who's behind, and he's the guy who needs to make up the most ground. And the American people really do respond to specifics in in some situations. And McCain was talking about this sort of this, you know, this housing bailout plan and this three hundred billion dollars. And I wish he had spent more time pursuing that. I wish he had talked about it a little bit more. Because I think people right now are looking for a guy who at least appears to have like an actual A to Z plan. And that's what he was trying to put out there, but he didn't give enough detail. Right, right. Or to the media afterward. And here's where here's where I feel bad, but I got a scoot today. Ah, okay. Oh, well, hey, is Sarah Dillon working today? She's right here. Hey, I am indeed. Is Sarah? I got your card, Lisa. You're so sweet. Hey, great. You know, because for some reason, I, you if, if you and two other people are the ones that are on my birthday reminder list, on my <laughs> outlist. Fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much. No, it made me so happy. I just rubbed it in Rick's face. I'm like, Lisa sent me a birthday card. That's right. That's hey, um, as, we, uh, as we wrap it up here, I will say this, and this uh, point was driven home to me again last night when I was watching CNN television. Really, CNN, and I'm not just saying this because it's you, they really have become, hands down in my opinion, the place to see real actual objective unbiased coverage of this of this whole campaign cycle awesome i mean you guys are really and, and i'm not just blowing smoke you guys really are the gold standard in trying to present all sides of something and getting even people who you know come from a certain ideological place having them give just the sort of you know the third person overview uh, without trying to like peddle their own uh, their own garbage hearing that that's so. awesome Anyways, definitely yeah, there's not. Yeah, everyone's gonna sleep sleep well in November. Yeah. But yeah. So you guys cool. rule is my point. Hey, awesome. All right. Have a good day. We will talk to you very hey. soon, Lisa. All right, great. All right, there you go. Well, let's get these calls. Some people have been on hold. Then we'll talk to a Storm Large and Byron Beck. They're so fabulous. Our I love it. It's gone wild. She is. The... Well, Lisa and Storm and all the ladies that are associated with the show. You know, Lisa's just even when she's reporting things that are awful. Even when she's coming into talking about you know the Dow is down fifteen thousand points today and we've been invaded by globular creatures from the planet Zirknon. Like, it's always with sort of like a smile on her face, and you kind of hear little, like, angel chimes playing in the background. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hey. Hi, Tim. Happy birthday, Sarah. Hello. Thank you. Um, the, 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 the Nail and Palin script. Yes. Yeah, first off, total genius. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking at the first five or six it. pages. It's hilarious. It's fantastic. <laughs> Larry Flint is a great American. Second, you know, I I, uh, I don't buy porn, but I totally buy that one if it, if it came out. But I like the idea that you don't watch. It's not that you don't watch porn; you don't buy porn. 
Right, right. You know, you there's, rent. there's a distinction. Yeah, you, you lease your porn. <laughs> and uh, the, the question I have, though, is is it's a porn flick. And you say you have the first seven pages. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how you get seven pages. It's a porn flick. Well, uh, you know, and it's interesting. I should actually point out this, I think, is the first time I've ever seen like, you know, an actual script to a porn film. Because, you know, because I think like a lot of guys, I've always had that same question. Like, what is the point? Like, what script? Yeah. What are you talking about? And so, granted, this is, I think, probably, at least as porn films go, probably a higher budget number. Uh, you know, there's, it looks like he's probably, you know, and we did, there was that sort of that, that, that whole period we went through where there's like all that Andrew Blake stuff where it's like, literally, they were making these porn films. There's some porn film that Jenna Jameson made. It's like some pirate theme thing. I swear to God, it cost they they spent a quarter million dollars on. It. They spent two hundred and fifty thousand wow. dollars on that, and which just seems sort of retarded. But I'm looking at this here, and obviously Larry Flint sees that he had the potential for this to become a big money maker. So I I didn't even bother to get past page seven. I mean, by the time I got to page seven, I was like, that's it. Like we got enough here to talk about. But I think it's like a thirty or forty five page script, which I guess if it's a wow. ninety page you know film. But there's a lot of dialogue on this. So uh, yeah, you can see this at um. Uh, TMZ uh, has this up, so you can go read this at TMZ. Because nor- normally, I mean, you, 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 it looks like the director went in and say, "Okay, you play doctor, you play nurse, go." Yeah, totally. That's exactly what I mean. it is. <laughs> yeah. All anyway, right. Thank you, sir. Uh, that'll be interesting. All cool. right. Bye Thanks. now. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello. What's up? Hey, how's it going, man? Hey. Hey, I got the word of the day. Okay. Uh, the bird. The bird is the word. What are we talking about right now? Uh, never mind. <laughs> okay. People are crazy. Hi, uh, you're on the Rick Everson Show. Hello. Happy birthday, Sarah. Oh, thank you. Oh, God, my fellow prisoners. Yeah, it's awkward. That's that's Manchurian candidate Dr. Strangelove, seven days in May. That is exactly what Chris Paddock says. You know, Chris Paddock is like somewhere Angela Lansbury is cackling evilly to herself. Yes, exactly. Totally. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's hard to talk about it with it sounding like you're being flip or making light. And I'm really, I'm really not making. There's a difference. You know, we're obviously not being flip about you know McCain's history and you know all that he went through and all that. I mean, nobody would, you know, nobody here would do that. But but this this is separate from that. Like this is just cringe-inducing and awful and creepy and you know. And on top of just his general demeanor and tone does make you wonder kind of what you know if like all the uh, tabs and slots are connected up there. I watched the video just as he said it, and I was looking at Sarah Palin as he said it, mm-hmm. and she's going, well, at least I'm still the governor of Alaska. <laughs> it is true, sir. Yes. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Richie Bristol, can We're we... Are uh... for chaos to ensue? Can we... Oh, I've got Byron. I keep forgetting Byron has a theme. Hold on a second. Does Storm have a theme? No. I have... We always just use Ladylike, but I've got... We'll use Byron's here. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> Get the door to the studio open. Hi. 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 Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Storm Large and Byron Beck from the Willamette Week. Hi. Are we all hugging? Let's these. Let's go to these two over here if we can. I'm not hugging Richie. That's all I'm saying. I'm oh, that's too bad. He gave him a special hug. You know, nobody's hearing this wonderful theme that I put together. Yes, it's beautiful, Rick. All right. Is it all right? Uh, yeah, let's do, let's, let's put let's have you guys be on these two mics okay. right here. I think the team, the other celebrity stool is I right there. I want to put you next to him. I'm fine. All right. Wherever. Okay. Wherever you want me. All right. Hello, Storm. How, How are, are you? How are you? Good to see you. Skinny. Oh, no. no, it's true. Yes. You know, have you guys, have, have you guys, I've been in the studio a lot, but I, I, I don't know if you guys, uh, listeners at home have been hearing about how, um, 
Rick is half the man he used to be. Oh, you. You are. You're all a slip of a boy now. When I put my hand on his ass. You've been throwing up. I'm sorry? <laughs> you got to get closer to the mic. You got to get, but you got to When get. I put my hand on his ass, it was great. It was yeah, firm. there was like some groping over you there. You always go straight for the underpants, Byron. Yes. That is, uh, no, my, is that why my teeth are all gritty? Am I, good? <laughs> am I like, am I, am I Meredith Baxter Burney? And uh, what is that movie? Didn't she do a bulimia film on the Lifetime? Best Little Girl in the World. Was uh, it that one? I don't know. I don't know. But there, was, there, was a, there was a ton of them. But there's that Lifetime movie with Meredith Baxter Burney who's unbelievably gorgeous even now. And She's freaky looking. You're talking about like the kind of skeletal she, older woman? Well, yeah. wait, I haven't seen her recently. Okay, I don't think I've seen her when she was young. I just Oh, wait, no, she did, a, she did an adaptation of the... Of of the Broadway movie Wit, right? I don't. Well, I don't really know. Can Are we, we talking about who's the boss? You're getting Judith. No, no, no. I'm no, getting no, all no, my stop. Judith. Okay. You're, uh, no, Meredith Baxter Burney, Elise Keaton from Family Ties. Ah, uh, okay. Continue. Not Judith Long. You're thinking of Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson did the film, but there was a television actress who did the Broadway version. I don't even know. We're I don't know. About. We're totally lost now. Anyway, anyway. She, did this, she did this Lifetime movie. It was like you know, like. Honey, what's going on in there? I need to use the bathroom. Uh, no, I'll be right out. Oh. It's like right into the, and it's all like, you know, the bulimia, the hidden shame or whatever. Oh, God. So, anyway. That's awful. Uh, so. Speaking of bulimia, Sarah Dillon, I want to make you a birthday dinner next week, and you need to tell me what your favorite things are. Okay. I'm or, off the mac and cheese for now, so that's usually my favorite thing. I don't know. Last time I went over to your house, what, we had lamb and like. Giant legs of lamb. Yeah. Do you want to eat like the Flintstones again? Oh, God. And with glasses of red wine. <laughs> I know seriously, because she asked me, she's like, you're not a vegetarian. I am like, no, I didn't expect, like, you know. Huge mutton legs. <laughs> yeah, a huge leg. <laughs> All right. It was really good. Though. Sarah likes corn dogs. And do you want birthday like cake? Oh, no, I don't need a birthday cake. Oh, I like Everyone needs wine birthday and good cake. conversation. What, what would be your favorite birthday cake if you had a birthday cake? He was guessing angel cake. Mm. I, I was thinking And I was like, white. no, she's way deeper than that. No, I don't know. I'm not really the biggest cake person. See, that's see, good for you. See, are you now? You like Adam Carolla? Are you more of a pie person? I'm, a, I'm a total pie. There you I'm go. A, I'm a pie person too. I would go for a pie. Birthday. I don't. Okay. What's a birthday pie? I mean, like a banana cream birthday pie. Ooh. Yeah, but that's what I mean. I think we can. And and again, this is, Adam Carolla's really made a career out of this observation. But I think everybody likes pie more than they like cake. Yeah. Because cake often doesn't have any substance to it. Sometimes. I like cake. I just I hate frosting. Yeah. Oh I'm my God, I love is, frosting. It's awful. I could eat that can of frosting and just lick it up clean. Let's all stop to imagine that. All right. Mm. You know, here's the thing about cake, too, is that, like, a badly made pie is still kind of okay. You get a badly made cake, like, from some discount, like, super. Uh, let me just, let me get rid of that. Let's go. already that. wasted one dump that Seriously. Been here stop, stop, stop. Uh, but... Uh, but you know, but you get a but you get a badly made cake, and it's like first of all, the frosting is all like gritty Ooh. and weird. And then oftentimes, I don't know when they did some poll of the country, and they decided that everybody wanted cake that had this middle layer of like pudding in it. Ugh. And they always and you know what? Every time you go to an office birthday party or like wherever you work, and it's like, well, it's you know, it's like the office space thing. Like, well, it's John's, you know, 15th anniversary. Of the We're all gonna meet in the conference room for you know for yeah. cake. Ugh. And it is always like some fruity, weird, gelatinous cake that has like some layer of cream. In the middle that no yeah, one wants. Or it's like mint. Yeah. It's like some weird mint ice cream filling. <laughs> it's like they get like cake weird the blue color and you're like, yeah, thanks. Oh, yeah. yeah, I like you guys too. Ugh. All right. How's life, Byron? How are things? <laughs> uh, dollar quirk. Dollar store cake is good. So that's all I'm going to say. Uh, I mean, I'm the one to talk. I have dollar store toothpaste in my house, so uh, life is good. We've been really, really busy. Uh, there's a lot of things going on in the world, including uh, what we're doing with Storm this week, and uh, very excited to be here to talk about it. And what might that be? 
candidates gone wild. And is that Monday? That is Monday. And, and I apologize. It just kind of crept up on me. I didn't even realize it was so. It was. I happening, know so. you guys are going to go see Henry Rollins. I will you? probably be at Rollins. Yeah, yeah, I wanted. To, I wanted to go to Rollins, uh, but of course I'm. I'm happy to do candidates gone wild to do my civic duty with the wonderful Willamette Week. Um, I already talked to Henry. That's why I kind of conned the Willamette Week. I go, okay. I'm doing Candidates Gone Wild for you, but you got to let me interview Rollins. And so. how did that know you? Good for you. I saw the transcript of your interview. When I was there, were you freaked out? Was it kind of intense? I was. I felt like I had I had shotgunned a bunch of coffee because I love Henry Rollins, and he is so m- brutally smart. Right. He just eats giant tomes of information as just this vora- he has a voracious appetite for information and his- I'm like, please don't think I'm dumb. That's the thing. <laughs> Rollins is one of those guys where like, you don't want to look dumb in front of him. Oh my god, no. I was just trying to be very articulate and I was recording it. I thought I was going to be able to safely email him the questions and then get them back, but right. the Willamette Week wanted me to do a recorded interview. And I was like, he's going to have to hear my voice. Yeah. He's going to hear how scared I am. It's like blood in the water, you know? Here's a little story. Okay, we didn't tell this the other day but now it can be told. Uh, and I don't even think Sarah knows the sort of twist ending to this. So we talked to Rollins on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a little bit of backstory. So I've interviewed him twice before. Once in the 90s, once earlier this year. The first one in the 90s was the, just a disaster. Because I was he was kind of in a bad mood, I think, very brusque. And I was terrified. I'm like, oh, Henry, I'm a big fan. I, uh, you're so cool. And he's, yeah, great, thanks. Um, so, what do you want to talk about? Whatever, man. You know, and I was just freaking out. And it's just stayed with me forever. Oh. So earlier this year, they're like, hey, do you want to talk to Henry Rollins? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. And finally, I did it just as like, okay, I got to balance out the bad interview with a good one. So we did this interview about six months ago. Great. Flawless. Wonderful. I'm like, okay, great. I'm done. Never again. And so a couple of weeks ago, Lisa Wood from KUFO was like, hey, Rollins is coming to town. We have some tickets to give away. Do you want to interview him? And I'm like, oh, God, I don't know. Because if I blow this one, then it's like, then it's in the then it's in the loss call. It's a net loss. Yeah. So I find I'm like, okay, sure. Okay, whatever. Like a Nietzsche and like, I must face my fear. Right. And so Tuesday comes, 2 o'clock. And I'm like, okay, in any moment now, Henry Rollins is going to be calling us. That's great. Well, you know, he'll be with us. And I'm kind of stalling for time. And it's that awkward thing where you don't want to start a new show segment because you won't have enough time. But it's like long enough that I can't just kind of go. Right, so I'm right. kind of looking at that, and I'm looking at Sarah, and I'm like, Wait, where is Henry Rollins? And you know, don't they guess Rollins? And you know, what what is up? And finally, I'm like, you know, okay, we're gonna take a break, and we come back. I think uh, we're probably gonna be joined by Henry Rollins. Maybe go to a break. I go find Richie. I'm like, what is up? He's this is so unlike him. Rollins is like the king of Punctual, punctuality. Yeah. What is his? What is the deal? And Richie's like, oh, I'll look into it. And so he goes to talk to Lisa Wood, and. She just comes in and she slaps down this piece of paper, our, our interview confirmation with him, and she's like, yeah, you're supposed to be calling him. And I was like, no! Oh, for the love of all God! And I was like doing a whole Joe Blues, like, come on! You know? And so I, you know, and then I'm like, oh God, he's going to hate me. You made Henry wait. He's, seriously, he's going to come over here and he's going to walk in the building and punch me in the face. And I just picture Henry sitting there in like a completely empty Spartan white room staring at the phone. <laughs> Just picturing Henry dressed in black, head to toe, sitting in like an iron chair, staring at a phone, which is the only decora- decoration in the room, and just glowering, just with like those stupid with, DJ, with like those hand exercises, completely. And so I told Richie, I'm like, Richie, okay, here's the deal. We were supposed to call Henry, and we didn't, and so. 
when you talk to him, please preemptively apologize and tell him it was all Rick Emerson's fault and that Rick Emerson is deeply sorry. And uh, if he hates me, I understand. I'm like just I'm very big on the like tell him it was my fault. Right. I want to totally step up and like man up and take the blame for it. So Richie's like, all right, I'll do it. So he calls Rollins' phone, no answer. And I'm thinking, oh god, this is it. Oh, no. Rollins has been like, screw this DJ. I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm gonna go kill something. And so I was freaking out because Rollins won't answer his cell phone. Richie gets a backup number from the publicist, uh, calls the backup number, and then Henry answers the phone at the backup number, and B Richie just goes, hey, this is Richie Bristol from the Rick Emerson Show. And before he can get out the fact that, like, we screwed up, Henry goes, hey, man, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sorry you've been trying to call me. My cell phone's been dead for, like, 25 minutes, so I, uh, I'm sorry. It's my fault, man. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. And Richie goes, oh, no problem, Henry. That's fine. We're happy to accommodate oh, you. Oh, <laughs> God. So Rollins thinks it's totally his fault. So that was like, man, like dodging the biggest oh bullet. Oh, my gosh. So oh, I had no idea. I you were just freaking that out. That was like the full-on oh, yeah. Shyamalan ending there where, like, Henry thought it was his fault. Still oh, thinks it's so his fault. Great. So, Yeah, my interview was supposed to be at 1 o'clock, and then the tour manager called and said, can we move it up to 2.45? And I was like, you know, whatever you guys need. I know he's a busy man. I'll just do something and then get back to it. And, um, and then I had to call this number. And it's ringing and ringing and ringing, and I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm picturing Henry, like, on, on an interview with, like, Vanity Fair or something right. and, and, and looking at the phone. He's like, what's this 503 number? Keep interrupting my important call. What like, city is that? Anderson Cooper, you know. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, I feel like a stalkerish girlfriend. <laughs> and then I, he finally answered the phone, and he said, I'm sorry for being late. What Please. did you say? I'm so sorry. I, I was late. Uh, that's totally okay, man. I, I, I really love you. No, okay. Keep it together. Yeah, he's dreamy, man. So, and your the interview was in today's issue. It was in yesterday's paper. Yesterday's. It's at wweek.com. Okay. Or you can pick it up on the stands, all over the city. Willamette Week. It's called The Hot Seat, and it's Storm Large with Henry Rollins. And uh, the unedited full-length uh, interview is on my website, stormlarge.com. Excellent. Uh, he was a great interview, and yours was, you did a very good job, too. Well, and he's just, you know, he's a guy that never is, you know, he's one of those, he's like, in a, in a way, he's like interviewing Ted Nugent, which is also a little intimidating. Yeah. Uh, you Why? know, uh, well, because you know, they have a I lot mean, to say. Well, and I disagree. You know, I disagree with Ted Nugent on almost everything, but at the same time, really smart guy. Uh -huh. And he's, you know, he's ambitious. He's outspoken. He's successful. He's driven. You know, he's a lot of things. A lot of things that I respect, sort of jumbled up with a lot of things mm -hmm. that I disagree with. Right. But you know, but but Nugent is one of those guys, where. I don't even think I said more than hello. Like, Ted Nugent, you know, welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. Ted Nugent, what's up? Hey, man, i got to tell you about these 15 things going on, and let me tell you about liberals yeah, and guns yeah. and jerky and hunting and killing. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I was just like, wow. You know, and then he, it was like, it was like some weird oh. hillbilly David Lee Roth. I would you know? love to see Henry Rollins and Ted Nugent have a debate. Hey, that's a gold idea. You know idea. what? They'd have to be, I mean, Ted Nugent would have to be frisked, no weapons yeah. and stuff like that, and Henry would have to kind of maybe be manacled. Right. But um, you know, that would be a great conversation. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, Ted Nugent is like, he is like a, he's like a self-propelled lawnmower, you know, where you turn it on and all you got to do is steer it. It just kind of goes by yeah. itself or whatever. But he, all I said was hello, and then I looked up and it was 20 minutes later, and he's like, all right, got Okay, thanks. You know, wow. so, um, speaking of debates, yes. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Speaking of debates, uh, did anybody catch Storm Large in the last Candidates Gone Wild? No, because it was the same night as Wait, we had a listener. You guys go, had a listener thing that one? night, too. No. No, we had, we no. had a listener event. All right. Because I've gone to a couple of those, but they all kind of, I mean, everything drifted Anyways, together in my head. So the critics said it was the best Candidates Gone Wild ever, and they.
definitely have been uh, not so nice in the past because I've hosted them before. But uh, Storm really brings an edge to it, much like Rollins and much like Nugent, a little bit of rock and roll to what we and call a, way a, a, way better boobs. Well, Byron, you're a uh, you know Byron, you're a rarefied taste. It takes a it takes a sophisticated palate to understand Byron Beck. I mean, really, it's a uh, God. You set me up, and I can't say this stuff I want to say on radio. I'm just saying. I'm just saying they. Uh, you know, I actually have to hold it down. I'm sorry. What are we? What, oh, well, we were just uh, talking. Do you guys need to do a thing? Well, no. Well, no, we may, might need you to do a thing. Let's what all, do you need me to do? Let's all stop for one moment. You're listening to KCMD Portland, a CBS radio station. So, Sarah, what we'll do is we'll we'll finish this up whenever we do. We'll roll into the into the news hour. Um, so two things. One, a storm, brilliant. Yeah. B, Byron, also brilliant, but. You know what it is? Again, it's uh, it, yours is uh, yours is a Noel Coward-esque wit. That people no, let's just to. say it's professional versus non-professional. And let's I'm just say, to, to, I'm let's to just say, if you want to come to Kenneth's Gun Wild on Monday the 13th at the Roseland Theater, you are going to see a very professional show. And it's kind of a train wreck that she rides. Like, it's, remember the big <laughs> missile that was in Doctor Strangelove? Yes. It's kind of like Storm strapped on top of a really big rocket, and she just explodes into the stratosphere for wow, one. Wow, you described a, the DVD cover of my old job. <laughs> uh, are you, uh, you going to point out the fact that Jeff Merkley eats hot dogs? Oh, Jeff Merkley eats hot dogs. Did, was he not hot dog eating contest? Have you seen? Have you seen that? Have hot you hot seen that ad? Do you know the no. ad we're talking about? No. Oh boy. No, I've been oh. in the studio. I've been really, really busy. Oh, dude, it's like the best worst thing you've ever seen. Oh, it's where Jeff, like, Jeff Merkley's like eating at some, you know, he's at some place. He's like trying to get lunch or whatever, and it's like some some ass comes up to him with like a, like a handheld camera, and Jeff Merkley's just, he's eating lunch. I mean, brother, gotta eat, you know. So he's eating. And a guy comes up, hey, Jeff Merkley, what do you think about, uh, you know, this Georgia? And he's, you know, trying to eat lunch, and he goes, he asks quite reasonably. You know, he's like, you mean, are we talking the country or the state? And, you know, and like that gets absurd. Oh. Jeff Merkley doesn't know what the hell he's talking. He's oh too busy God. eating hot dogs. Jeff Merkley's a fool. Yeah, it's just, it's so bad. They're unbelievable. I mean, they, they kind of become unintentionally hilarious, I think. So, yeah, you got to check that out when you He's check. so nice. I, you know, I, I voted for Steve Novick, but um, partly because Steve Novick is so terrifying. If you cross him, he would just shred you like <laughs> so many paper dolls. Oh, no, you get the... You and get the... Jeff is a really, really nice guy. He's very, very smart. I'm glad he's, he's in there. I'm totally going to vote for him, but God, Gordon Smith... Novick was that way too, though. I talked to we talked to him, and you just there was just like a raging intellect oh in there. Oh my god, yeah, and like so incredibly smart. Right, yeah, yeah, I yeah, love like, him. Like if I cross this guy, he's gonna gut me like a sea bass. Yeah, with pretty him. much. Steve Novick will be at Canada's Gone Wild. Steve will be there. Awesome. Steve will be there. So uh, when, where for Canada's Gone Wild? The Roseland Theater. Mon- this coming Monday, the 13th of October at 8 p.m. Yeah, Doors so at seven. Yeah, I'll be doing red carpet with uh, about <laughs> 7 o'clock, 6.30, uh, and then it will be just this crazy uh, cluster of stuff. It'll be, you know, um, the typical typical silliness of, of uh, like a dating game and a, and, a, and a ridiculous quiz show, but there will also be real... Um, Real debates going on, and also videos from myself and from uh, the folks over at Livewire. And, uh, and we and can't talk about her video because... It's not done yet. It's not done yet, but, you but got it's an to. amazing video <laughs> that involves our Marilek, and that's all I'm going to say. Does it involve... Let me ask you this. I'm going to put it this way. So this, so <laughs> it is a video with Sam Adams and Storm Large, not done yet. May I ask this question? Does it involve anything... Going into or coming out of anything else? <laughs> well, let's just say I it involves the, the stuff that does that. 
I already emailed, I already kind of hinted to Rick what it was, but we haven't uh, done it yet, so we have to get it past okay. uh, the approval. Uh, uh, the man. The man. Mark Sussman right. has yeah. to check it out and make sure it's not so completely right. over the top and disgusting. Well, we'll leave it at that then. But God bless Sam Adams and Randy Leonard. They really, they really raise the bar when it comes to courageous uh, self-esteem. Yeah, and then uh, Charles and Amanda will be there, and that's a crazy race if you think about it. And um, she'll be wearing a, an outfit that I'm sure we'll all really. Yeah. Amanda, did she tell you what she's wearing? No, 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 no. But what? No, that's that's all I can say. Oh, this is oh, oh, terrible. Now you're just being coy. All right. Uh, a whole bunch of talk with a whole bunch of teases. All right. Just... Canada's Gone Wild, the Roseland Monday at. Uh, Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Seven p.m. Doors. Right. Uh, we have two pairs of tickets to give away today. All right. With your re- uh, listeners, we need Rick Emerson's army out there. They're a political group. We need Storm's army out there. They love Storm, and it's going to be a great Storm show. And I, even if you just come to see Storm in her dress, we need my fellow prisoners out there. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it's too soon. Sorry, it's too soon. Oh, uh, so bad. All right, and so uh, details at wweek.com. Yes. Uh, and, uh, or so canadasgonewild.com. Canadasgonewild.com, uh, Wild Monday, 8 o'clock at the Roseland. Stormlarge.com as well. Um, so you guys will have to come back at some point. So the door is always open. So. Yes, I have more things to pimp myself out on um Well, you've got a bunch week. of stuff in the works. I know. So. I'm a busy Oh, yeah, guy, so. and she's also doing a big Basic Rights Oregon uh, dinner on Saturday night at the yep. Governor Hotel, it's 5.30. It's going to be amazing. It's Daria. Basic Rights, Oregon. All right. Well, look, you are you more than... The door, is, the door is open whenever you got to... Thank you very so, much. For both of you. All right. No, thanks, guys. Candidates Gone Wild, Monday, 8 o'clock, Roseland, Byron Beck, Storm Lodge. Thank you guys so much You're for welcome. coming You're welcome. Thank in. you, All guys. Right. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, so we... Uh, let's just roll into the news hour uh, here. It's 503-733-2970. So Tim Riley will enter the studio in mere moments. Uh, we will go to the Ministry of Truth. Tim will tell you what is happening in the world and what to think about it. Later on, we'll do uh, the top five. Dorothy Cassisari coming from the National Enquirer uh, and more on the way. Let's do uh, one quick phone call here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who might this be? This is Chris. Hello, sir. How are you today? I was going to say there was actually a uh, Henry Rollins-Ted Nugent debate. It was on the, early in the Iraq War. Uh, there was one of these talking head shows that they were both really? uh, that they were scheduled on. And uh, Rollins opened up with, hey, uh, Ted, you were a... A big supporter of the Iraq War. You were right. a big supporter of the Vietnam War. Uh, during the Vietnam War, you were of sound health and draftable age. Why didn't you follow your convictions and join the military? <laughs> and you what... just hung up. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. You could probably, if you, if you look at YouTube, you might be able to find it. Excellent. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, and bye. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. You may be wondering, why are people jumping off buildings downtown? No, it's not another suicide. These are the Bomberos from Portland's sister city of Guadalajara. And they're jumping off buildings, doing a training session with local firefighters. They've been jumping off the Bank of California building at 407 Southwest Broadway. It's part of a specialized high-angle rope rescue training in, well, it goes on, I guess, in the sister city. But since they don't have any tall buildings in Mexico, they have to come up here and jump off them. So uh, they're fine, and there have been no fatalities. So one shouldn't uh, panic if one sees a body plummeting off a building. No, they're fine. They're here on vacation. All right. So it looks like 
The Colombian may be forced to declare bankruptcy. What's a Colombian? That is a newspaper in the Cove. For those of you who live up in that neck of the woods, you must read it. Vancouver has its own newspaper? Yeah, it's called the Colombian. The top economic times are forcing one of the area's biggest newspapers to consider bankruptcy. The Colombian is relocating all operations back at its old headquarters. The publisher will then try to lease or sell the new $30 million building in the downtown... A $30 million building in downtown Vancouver. <laughs> Seriously. I think somebody made an error here. But if that's what it's worth. They have a $30 million building in downtown Vancouver, that's and they a, want to lease it or sell it. That's a decimal point in the wrong place. It, it really is. Right. If it isn't successful, and the Which lender negotiations be, the fail, yeah. so the paper will have to consider Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Why on earth did they spend $30 million for a newspaper building in downtown Vancouver? Well, well, I mean, how would they even arrive at that valuation? I don't know. Well, downtown Vancouver apparently is a popular place to be. It is it is the bustling heart of Washington State mm -hmm. or something. Uh, this email says, Rick, when that guy said hello to Tim a while back, did you imitate Tim by saying hello in a Tim-like voice? Yes, I did, sir. So What was that? I missed that. Uh, you were preparing your news, and a guy called up. And he, we, By the way, I was just a little, little behind the scenes. So this happens all the time. A, a guy will call up sometimes. He'll go, yeah, hey, all the time. <laughs> Rick, Tim, Sarah, and if you're not here, I answer in my own voice, and then I wait, and I go, hello. <laughs> I do that all the time. I thought that people knew that that was just you. Me too. This guy's, did you, were you just imitating Tim by saying hello in his voice? Yes. Yes, I was, sir. All right. So, yeah. They, so they, if you're li I'm never going to repeat that again. So if, you listen, uh, if you're listening right now, you know the truth. No, I approve of you doing a voice of my likeness. Really? If I'm not in the room. Certainly. It is like, it'd be like how uh, there was that one guy who was the officially sanctioned Michael Jackson impersonator. Yes. I'm the officially uh, sanctioned Tim Riley's voice impersonator. Absolutely. Excellent. All right. Here's Tim Riley. Did you know that there were three bank robberies in an hour yesterday? It led police to a standoff with two men. Uh, officers shut down southeast 122nd between Stark and Mill for almost two hours because people thought that they were uh, tracking down a bank robber in an apartment complex. The case started as one bank robbery, then two, then three. Three different banks in southeast hit in about an hour. Police followed an electronic monitoring device from the Fred Meyer Employee Federal Credit Union to an apartment house. At Northeast 122nd, that's when police moved in. Uh, those at the Midland Regional Library were told to stay in silent. People are actually reading in there. I was afraid to death because they live across the street to someone on 122nd. I guess that's a peaceful location. Uh, with guns drawn, uh, police called for the people to come out. And after about 45 minutes, a man came out with his hands up. A few minutes later, another man came out with his hands in the air, and both were detained. Once the apartment was clear, police moved in and started looking for possible evidence inside. Uh, one person was arrested in the first bank robbery. So they caught him at 122nd. Well, six families are still homeless after that landslide yesterday. Did you see that? It all started at 6438 Southwest Burlingame Place. Thing collapsed down the hill some 3,000 feet. It was on Anderson Cooper last night. Was it? I yeah. didn't see it. Because, you know, at the end of... Uh, unless anybody think that we are alone and sometimes... Uh, making light of the darker side of life, whistling past the graveyard, one might say, our trademark gallows humor. Yes. So Anderson Cooper does that thing now at the end of every, which he gets away with. Oh, because he laughs with that brunette gal? Totally. And who is she? I don't know, but she makes Anderson Cooper giggle. She just comes, like a schoolgirl. Yeah. She she comes on at the end of every every hour. And by the way, let me just do a thing inside a thing before we talk about that thing. Have you noticed the, the like little scam that Anderson Cooper's doing where they position that thing as a two-hour show? And it's just the same show done back to back. Mm -hmm. 
but he's really clever about it. And I just noticed something last night that he does. So Anderson Cooper 360, which is a great show, and I let somebody think I'm on the CNN payroll or something. I'm not. It's just uh, to me, it is the uh, it is the definitive news source. You get used to it after a while. Yes. Um, and and I really do think that they have some of the best analysis of the political situation. But so AC 360 is Anderson Cooper's primetime show, and it's listed as a two-hour show from I think seven to nine. Um, but what he does is they run one show from seven to eight. And then they run exactly the same show. I don't mean like he goes back and he talks about the same stuff. Like it's the same. It's a recording. It's the same show. But he does this amazingly clever thing. He'll get to the end of the first hour at like 7.55. And he'll go, still to come on AC360. And then he'll tease the first three stories they did that night. So when they come back, they start the show again from the beginning. But it looks like one long continuous show. So it's basically just this Mobius strip. He gets to the end of the hour. And he teases the things they did at the beginning of the hour, so then they can just run it over and over again, back to back, and it looks like the show's going on forever. It looks like it's like a five-hour show. Um, but the last thing they do in each hour is he brings this blonde, this brunette woman on, and they show, like, wacky animal footage, or, like, a, you know, that's a water-skiing squirrel kind of a thing. Last night, house falling down a hill. And tonight, here's our funny footage, house falling down a hill. So that was Anderson Cooper. But you know why they're repeating it? Because a lot of people are sampling that new uh, Rachel uh, Maddow show, whatever her name is. That's on MSNBC. Is that that is that that chick from Air America? Yeah, she kind of looks like Matthew Broderick on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Why? I'm, I'm surprised by that, Tim. I figured she'd be a stunner. But a lot of people are, are sampling that program. <laughs> are they? Well, Pat Buchanan is on with her. Really? Yeah, it's Pat terrific. Buchanan. Be Pat Buchanan. Uh, Who seems like a moderate, really. Why can't CNN get Pat Buchanan instead of that idiot sister of his? Because she's available. God, I hate Babe Buchanan. I hate her with a white hot passion. I just hate her with a with an unholy fury. I despise it. I despise Babe Buchanan. Had nothing to do with her politics. She's just stupid. She's just I mean, I'll just flat out say it. Pat got all the brains in that family. It's like a Danny DeVito Schwarzenegger twins thing. Pat got all the brains and she's dense. She is as dense as a brick made out of lead. I mean, there's just no getting around in her head is shaped like a mushroom. Anyone see where my Marlboro Red fell? I mean, that right. And she says, and so I have to say, Paul McGallan. And I'm doing my Gilbert Godfrey voice. But, but, you know, but it's like, here's the thing. And I was talking about this to Lisa Desjardins. The great thing that CNN TV does, in my opinion, and I know you watch MSNBC. But I am CNN. I, first thing when I go home, I turn on Lou Dobbs. He was clanking teeth. <laughs> you scream about immigrants. Yeah. I'm telling you, right now, immigrants are the problem. It's so hard. For American workers. <laughs> That's it. I mean, it's like watching, it's like watching Prince with the talking mule. Um, the, uh, uh, you keep expecting for somebody to toss him a carrot. Uh, but the great thing that CNN does is that CNN, and they did this, this was so great after the, this tedious debate that we had on whatever it was, too, I've already forgotten Tuesday. Um, they did this great thing of, bringing on the whole panel afterward to recap the debate. And the, the analysis of the debate was so much more interesting than the debate itself. But they do this amazing thing that I wish everybody would do, where they have a whole panel, and they just tell you flat out, this is Alex Castellanos. He is a Republican strategist. This is Paul Begala. He is a Democratic strategist. But you know what they do? They must have told the, They must get these guys in a room before they start this gig, and they say, look, we know you're a Republican strategist, and Paul Begala, we know you're a Democratic strategist. Here's what you're going to talk about tonight. You will discuss this in terms of strategy and in terms of just the actual mechanics of how the game was played. 
you know, you're not going to just get up and give, you know, talking points. You're going to talk about it in terms of, and the, the analogy I always use is this, um, which is that, you know, John Madden, you know, probably even now, John Madden pulls for the Raiders. But when John Madden is there and he's doing football uh, coverage, when John Madden is talking about the NFL, John Madden doesn't get up there and uh, and say that everything is great for the Raiders or constantly, like, pull for the Raiders because, you know, because he used to be the coach. What John Madden does is, you know, even though you know you were his sympathies probably uh, are, John Madden gives you the actual, just a strategic overview as a guy who knows the game. Here's who's doing something correctly. Here's who's, who's, here's who's screwing up. Here's what this guy did right. Here's what they did wrong. And that's what they do on CNN. So on, uh, on, on the debate on Tuesday, it wraps up. And it's great because you see Alex Castellanos, for example, who is a Republican strategist, saying, look, here's like the five huge mistakes John McCain made tonight. Here's some mistakes that Barack Obama made. Here's what Barack Obama did really well. Here's what John McCain did really well. Here's what needs to happen next time for one of these guys to win. And then Begala does the same thing. And so it is, it's such a, and they don't even, the, the other great thing that CNN does, they don't even bother to go to the spin room. I think uh, Rob Spiewak or something like that is so, I can't even tell you how refreshing that is. The CNN must have just finally decided, like, screw this. They don't even go down to the debate spin room to ask the idiot spokespeople for the campaign you know, so how do you think Obama did tonight? Because, of course, the Obama, oh, it was a clear win for Barack Obama tonight. Barack Obama made his case for change to the American people, and the American people are responding to Barack Obama as an agent of hope, which is what this country really, and you're sitting there going like, F you. So they just they don't even do the spin room anymore, which is so wonderful. Good. Uh, but they have Bay Buchanan, who is retarded. Here's Tim Riley. So anyway, the hill continues to slide. And safety lands established by the rescue crews have been moved back. They're assessing the soil stability in the area in order to give residents a timeline to return home. Meanwhile, a large area will remain without power, water, or, or gas, much like living in Defar. So, uh, what utilities are... Does it actually say much like living in Defar? Well, that's my own. Uh, okay. News and commentary. Yeah. All right. Police are looking for a lady who posed as a nurse. Hmm, could this happen right after our flu shirt shots? A police are looking for a woman who posed as a nurse to steal pain medication from the elderly at a retirement community. How low can you go? The woman was last seen at the Rock Creek Retirement Community on Cornell Road where she stole a bottle of prescription drugs. They think she could be targeting other uh, retirement and nursing homes in the area. John Pakula, who's 87, said a woman walked into his room and stole his Vicodin. He said he came back Wednesday morning, but a manager confronted her, and then she took off. He feels a bit violated. The woman knocked at his door Tuesday night, pretending she was a nurse. Or right away, he thought something didn't seem right. She was shabby or poorly dressed, and she says she's a nurse. Let me tell you, I've seen a lot of nurses in my time, and I've never seen one like that. He said the woman demanded to see his prescription drugs, and when she found the bottle of Vicodin in his nightstand, she took it away. She went to a bathroom and put the bottle of, in the medicine cabinet and left. So uh, it really ticks us off, see the people who live there. We want to protect our family, and now we feel vulnerable. You know, I'm uh, always intrigued by the verb that is the, the rotating series of verbs put in that sentence. Because there's like, it ticks me off, you know, it horks me off. Something Back in, uh, in Kennewick, my, uh, my grandmother would occasionally say, that really cheeses me off, which is just sort of an interesting phrase. So... Anyway, that's the only thing I really care about in that story, except for, like, the fact that there's apparently some fake nurse running around everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad I didn't get that CBS flu shot. I'm feeling fit as a fiddle today, by the way. How about you, Tim? I didn't get it either, and I feel wonderful. Sarah? I didn't get it either, and I'm feeling fine. Hey, Richie Bristol, you get the free flu shot? 
All right. That's why that's why this program is going to remain there healthy. There have been many takers. All winter long. Well, apparently there was a, a Susan Reynolds, I think. I think she got it. She told me there was quite a line. There's a line bit that not I didn't see any Costco snacks around like they usually are. No, that's only when I they. I don't know. They have the big muffins that they leave in there. No, no, no. That's only when they're coming to do the uh, when they're trying to do that thing of getting you to join the Costco, like the membership the thing. And the man sits there like the Maytag repairman. Totally, just sad and alone. Uh-huh. Um, I don't ever which room to turn his back so he can run and get a free muffin and then leave. That's a terrible thing to say, but it's very true. <laughs> no, I mean nothing no. against the Costco man per se. Oh no, I just want a free muffin. we love his muffins. No, you know what? I guess Costco's a fine store. It really is, and I don't mean that in a snarky way. Costco is what makes this country great. Actually, you can ha- you can have lunch there. Like you just walk around with all the sample trays, and you can buy full lunch. anything there. The great thing about Costco is you go there and it's like you can get free samples. You can stop by and read something in the book aisle. There is something great about that Costco book aisle, too, where it's just a huge palette of books. And all the clothes. They have, like, all those Levi's and, like, sweatshirts and everything that you would ever need. Yes. Like basic clothing. Let's not forget their wide variety of reconditioned electronics. Remember, we're all meeting there for the zombie apocalypse. Oh, that's the other thing, though, is I wear that shirt with pride. And that listener sent me that thing, and the front says, when the zombies come, and the back says, I'm going to Costco. Oh, Costco, I didn't see that. Did you not see that? No, oh. and that was my idea, too, because you said you were going to go to, like, Walmart or something. Yeah, I think it was your A listener sent me a shirt. Um, that he had made, like a cap at, well, if you complain about it, he'll probably send you one. It is your birthday. Um, it's, it's, uh, it would probably be way too big for you. It's a little too big for me, so it's probably way too big for you. But it's, uh, on the front, it has a zombie doing it, like the arm out, like brains thing, and it says, when the zombies come, and on the back it says, I'm going to Costco, and it has the big Costco logo. So. Costco should totally use that as a slogan. Compl- they should do that as one of those, like, ed- like an edgy TV commercial, mm-hmm. where the guy says, here at Costco, we don't just care about the economy and providing value to your family. We care about your family's safety during the zombie apocalypse. You know, we've now prepared a short educational film. And then it's like a Dharma initiative film of like a guy. And you like the pictures, like graphs of like, you know, weaponry. Totally. And food. Yeah, exactly. And they have like the steel shutters that go down and they talk about. And they could. This is so brilliant. And they could totally talk. They use it as a way to talk about other products. At Costco, we have everything under one roof. Everything you will need to survive the zombie apocalypse. And then they do the slides. Food, clothing, fuel, weapons, tools, drinking water. Da-da-da. Uh-huh. And just like down the go. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. So when the zombie apocalypse happens, Costco is your safe zone. Costco. That is so genius. That's so genius, I want to make it myself and then go up to them and go, look, I'll sell you this ad right now. Play it for them. Look, I'll sell you this ad for ten grand. All right, here's Tim Riley. Dow Jones Industrials have fallen below the 9,000 mark. Hurt by a steep decline in the shares of General Motors, their lowest in 58 years. Not that they don't deserve it, mind you. The blue chip index is extending its selling to a seventh straight day as investors grapple with worries over the credit markets and the economy. Below 9,000. Yeah, below 9,000. So, a couple of related stories. Attention, Lou Dobbs. Five million fraudulent mortgages are being held by illegal aliens. You bet this is going to be his top story today. Totally. Those teeth are going to be flapping a mile a minute. <laughs> One illegal alien was arrested this year in Tucson for allegedly using a stolen Social Security number to buy two homes and rack up over $780,000 in bad debt. Well, it's, they're learning from the Americans. I was just going to say that is the American way. I mean, that really, the American way. That is the example we've modeled for them. Come here, buy crap you can't afford. Oh, let's back up for a second. So they they racked up how many how many thousands of dollars in bad loans? Five million. In bad loans? Yeah, fraudulent mortgages. I was about to five say five million fraudulent home mortgages are in the hands of illegal aliens, according 
to the Department of Housing and Urban Development. I was actually going to say it's almost impressive that if you come here as an illegal uh, immigrant, you are somehow able to... Oh, yeah. You have the money to get two houses, but I guess... Oh, you don't need the money. I guess you didn't really need the money, Uh-oh. right? All right. So you're saying, Tim, it is some fun being an illegal alien. It is. Now, the problem began years ago when banks were forced to give mortgages without confirming Social Security numbers or buyer identification. Obviously, this is the bad thing to do. As a result, illegal aliens were able to obtain home mortgages, which they could not afford to be, just like regular Americans. But don't you just picture, I mean, in your head, you know, someone who has, you know, through whatever means, they have snuck over the border, you know, uh, you know, into America. And then you suddenly fast forward where they're sitting in the bank like Angie Dufresne. All right, so then, Mr. Lipinski, uh, it says here that... Uh, you make $3 million a year. And then it's like, and then you just sort of picture the guy, you know, just going, uh, yes, yes, that that is true. You know, and, okay, no problem. It's a previous residence. I lived in a satellite dish. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Jesus. One illegal alien was arrested this year in Tucson for allegedly using a stolen Social Security number to buy two homes and rack up seven hundred eighty thousand bad debts. So people... Become Americanized quickly. Uh, they, re- they really do. But, I mean, that because that must come with fake ID. That must require fake IDs, right? Or any idea at all. I mean, that's it. So, because if you just, because if you are, an, I mean, let's just not gild the lily here. I mean, look, the vast majority of illegal immigrants are coming from Mexico. So, if you're coming here from Mexico as an illegal immigrant, I mean, it's not like, you're, not like you're, your ID card from Mexico or whatever is going to work. So, you got to get some fake ID. So, I wonder if they, I wonder if it is... If the system was just so bendable at that point that you even needed a fake name, mm-hmm. or if you could just give them, that was my thing about like Mr. You know, are you Mr. Myron Lipinski? See, okay, okay. <laughs> and so Mr. So Mr. Myron Lipinski, where are you from? Ireland, you know, or whatever. I am from the old country. Or, or if you could just, or if you could just say like, look, how long have you lived here? Five minutes. I wish to buy a home. Okay, no problems. Give me your John Hancock. All right, <laughs> or your give me your uh, give me your Jose Hancock, I should say, and we'll uh, we'll move forward. <laughs> That's Fred Willard. Here's Tim Riley. Talk about more handouts. Now we already gave AIG all that money, and they took that wonderful holiday in California, which everybody paid for. Well, now the feds are going to la- uh, lend AIG an additional thirty-eight billion. That's not very much these days. American International Group, the giant insurance company bailed out by the government for $85 billion last month, is getting another $37.8 billion. Oh, sons of bitches. And why not? Sons of bitches. Why not? It is uh, formerly the world's biggest insurer. It came under fire this week for holding a lavish retreat at an expensive California beachside spa, despite teetering on the brink of bankruptcy. Well, you, that, that they was were like, harshly criticized. That was, I think, but wasn't it the same day they got the bailout? Mm-hmm. The same day they got the bailout, they blew what like four hundred and sixty thousand dollars on hotel rooms, massages, and spa treatments. Yeah, I get the bill. You can look at it at RadleyLive.com. I was looking at it last night. It was making me so angry. I had to I had to close it. I had to stop looking at it. The same day that they got the bailout, they blew half a million dollars mm-hmm. on massages and spa treatments at that company. I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. I am surprised. I continue to be surprised. Well, apparently they ran out of money already. Someone <laughs> hasn't. Uh, I'm surprised that someone hasn't decided to. Uh, no, we're we're uh, to do we're something. A peaceful country. I know. I'm just saying. Well, Anderson Cooper started doing that thing every night where he names names. He's doing that ten most wanted, like like the boogeyman of the uh, of the bailout. And so, like last night, it was an AIG guy. 
He's like, here's his picture. Here's his name. I kept waiting for him to go, here's where he lives in the hours he's home alone. Here's Tim Riley. Let's see. We have all kinds of, uh, let's see. We have a, uh, a Vancouver, Washington, not Vancouver, Canada story. I'm sorry. This is Vancouver. This has to be wrong. It's Canada. I would expect this in Vancouver, Washington, but not Vancouver, Canada. So here it is. An irate motorist, oops, hang on. An irate motorist in Vancouver, Canada has been charged with assault after putting out a lit cigarette in the eye of a police officer. Oh. The officer was issuing a motorist a parking ticket when the incident occurred. 55-year-old Joseph Baske was taken into custody at the scene. A police department spokesman said the officer was writing a ticket when the man began berating him, then pushed a lit cigarette into the officer's right eye with enough force to extinguish it. The officer was able to close his eye before the cigarette hit him and avoided serious injury. Oh, you know who didn't avoid serious injury was, was the guy who thought that was... A, uh, you know that that guy had several, several serious accidents on the way to the station house. I mean that was uh, to quote uh, to quote Bunny from uh, from The Wire. Uh, that was that was some that was some biblical s that happened to that guy on on the way to the uh, on the way to the booking room. All right, we should take a break here so we can get caught up. We'll come back more from Tim Riley around the corner, giving the news as only he can, be it from Vancouver, Washington, Vancouver, Canada, or a strange mixture of both. Uh, coming up later on, Dorothy Carcassari and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, Cena, uh, uh, yes, Cena radio correspondent Jim Roop, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer, uh, Fatboy Roberts will be here to count down the top five teen movies of all time. It is High Concept Thursday. Uh, we'll do uh, 60 seconds of speaking for your chance at Henry Rollins tickets and uh, more. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. So this is kind of humorous. Uh, where things happen at these uh, Biden events, and this is a campaign event in Florida, where this guy comes out. And where, Tim? Florida. Damn it, I haven't got one of those in like a, like a week. Right. So the guest of honor, the speaker for the evening, is Joe Biden. It is a Biden rally. Right. So here's this fellow in Florida, at the podium with this big cheering crowd, about to introduce Joe Biden. Well, not quite. No matter what your party, gender, or race or religion, please help me today in welcoming the next Vice President of the United States, John McCain. <laughs> the hell is that about? It's Florida. Oh, <laughs> oh. you hear oh, yes. yes. No matter what your party, gender, or race or religion, please help me today in welcoming the next Vice President of the United States, John McCain. <laughs> Did they correct him? How does that oh, happen? No, no, that's as much as I have out of it. I wonder what Biden said. I don't know. I wonder. Biden's known for being a little brusque. I wonder he what Biden didn't even notice or pretend it didn't happen. I mean, that's funny on two levels. First of all, wrong name. Mm -hmm. Secondly, the fact that when he was thinking vice president, he thought John McCain, which is sort of telling about the McCain-Palin dynamic. I think at this point, boy, that's fantastic. You know, God, God bless microphones. Really, and cameras, and the internet, and, and, you, and YouTube, totally, w which has changed the face of American politics. Absolutely. Well, you, YouTube is where I got this. Run up and balance the federal budget by the end of my term in office. 
across across this across this country. This is the agenda I have set before my fellow prisoners. That just no get... matter what your party, gender, <laughs> or race or religion, please help me today in welcoming the next vice president of the United States, John McCain. <laughs> <laughs> That guy's going to be fired today. <laughs> You'll never hear from that guy again. He's done. Done, done, done. Oh, man. Hey, speaking of YouTube, I don't have the clip here, actually. Uh, they were playing it last night, I think. On, I think it was on Anderson Cooper. And they've been doing this every, every now and again, and it's always, by the way, at Sarah Palin's conventions, which are just... I mean, can we all just admit right now that she's a magnet for crazy people? Mm -hmm. I mean, she herself is no great shakes in terms of mental stability, I think. She's obviously nuts. Oh, by the way, just adding to the crazy month on top of the crazy year and the crazy week we've had. So tomorrow, that Sarah Palin corruption report comes out from Alaska about how she was trying to get that guy fired. So the... What have you got in your hand, No, um, I'm, I'll wait till you finish. I have something else. Okay, well, let me just, uh, let me just say this. So her, her it, rallies are just... They just bring out just the worst. And I don't mean, you know, like everybody, but obviously... But, you, you know, you've been hearing these reports about people shouting racial epithets and slurs and shouting kill him, mm -hmm. presumably, these are people at the rally, presumably referring to Barack Obama. And, like, she is undoubtedly aware of this, because even if you don't hear it at the moment, she must maybe watch the news. Somebody must say, hey, Sarah, the weirdest thing happened today. A guy was shouting kill him. You know, and, and, and she has taken no steps to stop that. And as David Gergen pointed out, some guy shouts that at your rally, you stop everything, and you go like, no, no. Not welcome. Do not want. Get out. Like this is not the place for that. She doesn't do it. Um, so yesterday they had this idiot who's introducing her somewhere. Some some you know some tool user. Some guy gets up there and he looks like what's his name? The security guard from the Jerry Springer show. Mm -hmm. I always forget the guy's name, but he looks like that guy. The big bald dude. Yeah. What, he has Steve. The spin show now. Too. Steve, Steve. I think. Yeah. Looks just like that guy. He gets up and he does that thing. That, like, they've been doing every now and again, and you were talking about speaking in code. This isn't really a code. I mean, I, it's true, but we all know why this happens. He gets up and he says, and so he says basically, we need your help to defeat Barack Hussein Obama. And, like, laying on the emphasis on that middle name. Now, look, his middle name is Hussein. There's nothing you could do. You can't get around that. But, you know, we all know why that's happening. Everybody knows. Let's not be children about this. We know why that's happening. But... I was thinking about something last night. You know, it's weird because they do say, like, you know, George W. Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush, William Jefferson Clinton. So it, it is it is kind of weird to think that pretty soon, like within a month, we're gonna have we're gonna have a guy with the middle name of Hussein as president. Which is, and here's the thing: obviously, no one's defending Saddam Hussein. Blah 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 blah. But it's like this is like the, the sort of sleaziness and just these like these idiot hillbillies have made such a big deal of his middle name being Hussein that it's actually had such they've been doing it so much that it's almost had the reverse effect on me to where now I'm like that's right his middle name is Hussein we're gonna have a vice president named Hussein eat that Chester jackass president yeah I mean president yeah pre I mean, president you know Barack Hussein Obama I mean you know it's like you know that's pretty great you know I mean just that they've tried to make such an issue out of it and they've alienated people because they're just so strident about it that it's going to come back and bite them in the ass. And it's like, what is the name? It doesn't, like, my friend, I have a friend named Kyle who's Samoan, and his initials are KKK. I just imagine <laughs> if he'd be running for something. He Does he wear a lot of monogrammed clothing? <laughs> <laughs> Where are my sheets that are monogrammed? I, have you seen my monogrammed KKK sheets? He signs things K3. Yeah, well, see, that's cool. 
So, again, I don't care about it, but it's like they've made such an issue of, like, his middle name being Hussein, like they've rolled that out, that you're almost kind of going to go, yeah, that's right, his middle name's Hussein. He's going to be president. Why don't you uh, choke on that one, Jackson? All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, just in time for a uh, depression, it seems that uh, Sarah Palin is related to Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Yes, the Depression-area Democratic president. He is a distant cousin, according to uh, people who study these things. And, let's see, Oh, Roosevelt is Palin's ninth cousin once removed. That's stupid. That's just well, dumb. They can make up any of this stuff, really. Their common ancestor is the Reverend John Lothrop, who came to Massachusetts in 1634. She's also related to Princess Diana. Uh-huh. The Alaska governor is the 10th cousin of the former royal. So I don't even believe this crap. Well, but even if you do, I don't even know what that means. What does it mean if you're a 10th? Can I tell you something? I don't know what once removed and twice removed and all that uh, all that jazz. I don't know what that means. What does that know. mean, twice removed? You'd have to call the people who but, do research. But see, here's the thing. Everybody repeats that crap like they know what it means. Oh, well, I'm, uh, you know, my mother's uh, side were cousins twice removed. You don't know what that means. You don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. No one knows what that means. Unless you're a genealogist or Mormon. No one knows what that means. So when they say a tenth cousin, mm-hmm. first of all, I don't know what a second cousin is. What is this? And is a second cousin the same as twice removed? A second cousin is your cousin's kids. Wait. So if my cousin has kids, they're also my cousins? Yeah, but they're your second cousins. If they have kids, are they third cousins? Yes. Now, is that the same thing as once removed, twice removed? I don't know what once removed, twice removed The is, word but... removed is used to describe a relationship. It indicates that two people are from different generations. You and your first cousins are in the same generation, two generations younger than your grandparents, so the word removed is not used to describe your relationship. The words once removed means there's a difference of one generation. For example, your mother's first cousin is your first cousin once removed. Oh, stop, stop. This is because no. your mother's first cousin is one generation younger than your grandparents, and you are two generations younger than your grandparents. Ah. This one generation difference remains once removed. <laughs> Questions? I don't understand. So I'm once removed from my second cousins? Yes. Twice removed means there's a two-generation difference. You are two generations younger than your first cousin of your grandmother, so you and your grandmother's first cousin are first cousins. Twice removed. What? You became Danny Kay over there, so I was... My brain couldn't... Danny Kay discusses this? Flagging oh, yes. the dragon and the brew that is true. Oh. Yeah. So the word removed is used to describe a relationship. It indicates that two people are from a different generation. Mm-hmm. Second cousin. Your second cousins are the people in your family who have the same great-grandparents as you, but not the same grandparents. Jesus, this is like... A, this is like... So that, this is like FDR's marriage to that, uh, that horse-faced-looking woman? This is, like, this is like Bill Wyman's family reunion. Okay, so... No, I'm done. All right, I don't even know. Cousin. I... Everyone knows what these are. Your first cousins are the people in your family who have two of the same grandparents as you. In other words, they have the children of your aunts and uncles, or aunts. Okay. This is like one of those... Um... This is like one of those things. Like, do you remember that? Do you ever hear that old novelty record from the 30s that I'm my own grandpa song? You remember that? I have a, I did a 78 I that, at home. that novelty song, Shaving Cream, from the 1930s. <laughs> That's what I always think. Really? Yeah. Whenever I say novelty song, is that the thing that comes to mind? If somebody says name because a Because they reissued that in the 70s. They reissue, they reissue that like every five years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so when somebody says novelty song, that's the first one you think of as Shaving Cream, uh-huh. as made famous on the Dr. Demento show, at least for my generation. Um, shave every day and you'll always look keen, Tim. Mm-hmm. All right. Sarah, novelty song. What's the first one you think of? Novelty song, what, like like a Weird Al Yankovic kind of song? Well, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, Taco Grande. 
Okay, that's see? The one that I, the, well, that's the first one I learned. Uh, and so for a novelty song, I guess I think if they're coming to take me away by Napoleon the 14th, that's the first one that came to mind. That one makes me sick. It makes me, no, it's freaky. It, it, it used to weird me out when I was a kid. It, it still does, it actually. Make, when I was a teenager, kids threw up listening to that. Really? Yes. That's interesting. Why is that? I don't know if, if they smoked pot. It, I, it did something to their The mind. great thing is you just did right now. Here's how Tim Riley just indicated that somebody was smoking pot. You kind of made a peace sign, like a backward peace sign with your fingers, and then just held it up to your mouth like you were smoking a cigar, uh, which was great. It was like you were lighting up a Cubano or something. Rick, when they're smoking the pot. Um, so but It's funny. How, how would you say smoking the pot? Because yesterday I looked like I was doing, like, drinking a straw. Yeah. Um, well, you can because it's your birthday. So what did you do, Tim? How did you how did you show it? Like that. Like that, but it doesn't look like he's smoking a cigar. Tim, uh, Sarah's pinching. I I think she's probably more correct. Sarah, it's like you have pinched something between your fingers and you're blowing on it. That's what you're doing. Mm. Uh, I guess you know what I do because I and I stole this from Dave Grohl of all people. I saw Dave Grohl do this on Dennis Miller's HBO show one time. Dennis Miller was uh, he had Dave Grohl as the guest and they're sitting there and they took a phone call. And this guy called up the Dennis Miller show and he's like, Hey Dennis, I love your show and um. Hey, Dave Grohl, man, you're great. I'm watching you on Dennis right now, and I'm calling you, and I love Foo Fighters, Nirvana. And, like, as this guy's talking, Dave Grohl Grohl looks right at the camera and kind of arches an eyebrow like, uh, do you believe this guy? And then he does the huge whatever, like the firing at the the, the bolt, the bong, and he does the whole, like, and he's, like, circling with the one hand and, like, holding the bong with the other, whatever, and it was hilarious. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. And so that, that so I've already I've stolen that. But that Napoleon the 14th song, do you know the song, Sarah, they're coming to take me away? No. Come on. You might not. Come on! All right, we're going to play that later. I'm, never only, watched I'm only 28 years old, Rick. I'm Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Well, let's do it. And see Maybe if you, you can play that at her birthday let, tonight. Well, let's see if you throw up. We should play it later and see if you vomit. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> I don't plan on vomiting for another like, 12 be hours. Best birthday ever. You have to vomit 28 times, though. Um, the, <laughs> more! More castor oil. Um, okay. Uh, okay, so uh, KCMD Portland. So, uh, eat snacky s'mores. Uh, so, Napoleon the 14th. How do we even get off of that? Oh my! Uh, that I'm my, there's a novelty record in the 30s that I have on a 78 called "I'm My Own Grandpa," and it was like, it's kind of like a guy put on like a hillbilly voice, like a sort of rube voice, and it's like a banjo twanging, and he's singing this sort of funny, like, and it's like that reedy sort of scratchy kind of sound about like, and it, it's one of these things. It's a song about like my grandfather married my, you know, the the girl next door who's my cousin three times removed, and blah 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 blah. And he's singing this song, and the chorus is, the the chorus is about how the guy ended up being his own grandfather. Um, and uh, anyway, so I have to dig it up somewhere. It's it's it's, it's kind of corny, to, but it's I, funny. I found it right now. But I'm my own grandpa. I mean, it's not you know, it's not like that. It's not like laugh out loud funny, but you know, it's, it's sort of an interesting concept, especially you know, uh, you know, from 70 years ago or whatever. But Napoleon the 14th did this song, what in 60s, the 60s, 64 maybe, yeah, so, yeah. a song called "They're Coming to Take Me Away." Ha ha. Oh, oh. And it is a first person narrative about a guy who has gone crazy. Uh, and as it as it turns out in the end, he's gone crazy because his dog ran away. And the entire song is about how they are coming to capture this guy and to put him in a mental asylum because he's gone nuts. And the song, uh, I mean, it's not number one on the Demento all-time requested list, I don't think. I think number one is Fish Heads by Barnes & Barnes. But it's like in the top five, you know, the top five all-time requested songs. And it's terrifying. And I know there are people who find that song funny. Uh, but I never found it funny. 
It didn't make me want to vomit like I did with you. They're coming to take me away. Terrified me when I was a kid. I mean, no fool and not like a wacky sort of like, well, that's creepy. I mean, it scared me. It scared the hell out of me. And here's the creepiest thing. Do you know uh, that there is a B-side to that? Do you know what the B-side that they're coming to take me? I'll tell you. Do you want to know? Yes. The B-side that they're coming to take me away, and this will terrify you even to think about it, Tim, is the same song played backward. Oh, that's right. It will scare the living bejesus out of you. (laughs) i got to play it later so Sarah can hear it. I mean... Now, was that on the original 45? The B-side was, was I, also the song? I think the backwards? original B-side is the song played backward, okay. which they must have just like had no more time in the studio. They're like, what are we going to do? Uh, I don't know. Play it backward. Um, he also did another song called Split Level Head about uh, schizophrenia, which is kind of freaky, mm-hmm. because he does the, he modulates his voice where it's like one normal voice and then like a chipmunk voice, and it's about two warring personalities in the same brain, and the chorus is, uh, I like both of me and he likes both of him. You know, I'm glad that I'm living in a split love head, and it freaked freak me out, but not nearly as badly as they're coming to take me away. We'll play that later on. Speaking of songs that make you vomit, though, mm-hmm. so it's funny you mention that, because I hadn't thought about this for years. On the Lenny Kravitz album, Mama Said, which is a great album, it's got Always on the Run, it's got the Fields of Joy, it's got the Stop Dragging Around, which is a great song. But on the, on the Lenny, Kravitz al- Lenny Kravitz album, Mama Said, there's a song... That I can't listen to on headphones because it's got this weird, uh, it's got this weird keyboard effect at one point where it's a keyboard going, whoa, 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 and every time I listen to it, it makes me want to vomit. I mean, and I'm the only person I know who's had that experience with that song. Is Lenny, and I, I can't remember the name of the song, but it's on Mama Said, and I would play it, and I remember the first time I heard it, I'm like sitting there, you know, I'm like with my headphones on, like listening to new Lenny Kravitz, and it gets to some song, and he's all like. You know, and he's singing, you know, baby, baby, whatever. And then it's like, in the background. And after about 10 seconds, I I started to get dizzy. And my eyes watered. And then I had to, like, go, ha, and throw the headphones off because the song was going to make me throw up. Which is, and I never never listened to it on headphones again because I tried one more time and it had the same effect. Which is strange. So, it's like that South Park episode about the brown noise. Sarah Dillon shares the same birthday with cousin Brucey Morrow of WABC. He's 71 years old today. Also, Stanley Hagar is 61. John Ford Coley of England, and John Ford Coley is 60 years old. Anybody else? Let me look here. Yeah, there's, there's oh, Margaret thing. Thatcher is 83. You have the same birthday as Margaret Thatcher. That's pretty cool. And there's a very famous person who uh, we share the same birthday, although they are no longer with us. Marie Osmond, 49. Wait, hold on. So I'm back on Margaret Thatcher. You share the same birthday as Margaret Thatcher and Marie Osmond? Yeah. And that's... John Lennon. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Good yeah. for you. All right. Oh, yeah, I don't think I share my birthday with... Uh, Margaret Thatcher, that's awesome. I mean, you know, I share my birthday with superstar Dave Zinn, but beyond that, I... Uh... Ashante was born the same day as you. Yes. Ashante. Okay. Why are we whispering? I don't know. Okay. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Um, let's see. I don't Lenny know. Bruce. Really? Born on this date in 19. You got all the good celebrity birthdays, damn you, Sarah Dillon. And Sean Lennon, I believe, was born on October 9th as well, if I'm not mistaken. I think John and Sean Lennon. I think that's true. Roger I... Moore is 81. Roger Moore, worst Bond ever. Cliff Richard, 68. Cliff Richard. You know, they're shaving, even at 68, that's not true. They're shaving yep, Sean years. Lennon, October 9th, 1984. The star of BJ and the Bear is 55. <laughs> Wait, who? What's his name? Greg Evagon. No, that's right. Damn it. All right. Jim Rome, 44. Anybody else? I don't know. I'm busy looking. Apparently, Tom Arnold and Roseanne Barr did a, a rendition of I'm My Own Grandpa. Usher is 30. I'm just waiting for this to end. Madonna's daughter is 12. 
Lourdes? Mm-hmm. I think that might be it. My friend in Bremerton's getting induced today. Uh, I don't want to think have, about that. She's going to have an October 9th baby. Why do they do that? Is it just because they don't want to be in labor for like a day and a half? I get, I don't know. If you, I think it's a planned C-section. Oh. Either that or inducing. I don't no, know. No, inducing is where you like you prompt like a, a, yeah, a like regular delivery. Like, on, they now. poke it. They poke the baby with a stick. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, the market's down over 600 points. Special ever. Woo-hoo! We know. All right, thanks. We didn't want to ruin Sarah's birthday. Though. Thanks so much. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick. That'll come later. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Good day, Rick Emerson on oh. KCMD Portland. Hello. Um, have you heard the they're going to take Brittany away off the Bob Rivers um, I think program. I speak for everybody when I say no. It's they're doing the same thing, yeah. Except tell the Britney story, blah blah blah. Anyway. Yeah, that you know, the parodying that they're coming to take me away almost seems. I mean, it just seems pointless. You can't really parody that song because it's just so insane sounding to begin with. Yeah. So, all right, Bob Rivers has his moments. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, this doesn't sound like one of those, but he does. I, I will love Bob Rivers forever, uh, if only for that that Iron Man Santa Claus Christmas thing he did, which is which is genius. So I, he, you know, he gets points with me just for that. Well, and they got Cheney's got a gun, which is good, too. Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah, okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, what's up? What's yeah, up? It's actually uh, my dad's birthday, too. I was just wondering where you got all the information of celebrity birthdays so I can give it to him. I just I just Googled right now. I don't know where Tim got his. Virginia. We should pretend that it, we have only, we're the only ones with access to this knowledge. There's a Google. Um, it's a secret uh, vault of information, sir, that only uh-huh. we can. Tim, where did you go? Did you just Google famous birthdays, or what did you do? It just popped up somewhere. I don't remember where I got it. Oh, there you go, sir. Now you'll never know. I think if you just oh, Google, no. I think if you Google celebrities born on this date, that phrase, it'll take you to a lot of pages where you choose the date and then it tells you who else is born. All right, right on. I'll give it a sh- uh, shot. Best right. show ever. Thank you. All right. Hey, Tim, it's Randy Spelling's birthday today too. <laughs> How about that? Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Happy yeah. birthday, Sarah. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, rather. Rick, this is listener Jim. I'm the one who dropped off the book for you a couple of days ago. If you liked school, you'll love work. Oh, that Irvine Welsh book. Yeah. All right, yeah, he's the train spotting guy. You're going to love that book. You're just going to love it. Is that like an order? You no, will no, love no, this no. book. No, it's a statement. It's actually just right. a uh, just a perfect statement. Cool. Um, hey, I, I'm continuously amazed at your knowledge of music because I was a kid when They're Coming to Take Me Away, Aha, was a hit. And I'm 23 years older than you are. Oh, I didn't know you were done. I didn't know if it was a comma or a semicolon or whatever. Uh, so, what year would that have been? When, when do you, when did that song come out? Sir? Oh gosh, you know, you'd have to Google it, but I would bet that it was 1967, 68, 69. And it had to have been in the 60s because the 60s were the golden age for novelty songs, and then there were some in the 70s. You know, here's the thing: I, I think novelty songs. There were more of them released in the 60s than ever. Uh, any oh, other yeah. decade, but then every decade since then, there has been a smaller and smaller number of novelty songs. Now, you could make the case that with the Internet, MySpace, YouTube, th- there's a billion novelty songs, but none of them really make that much of an impact. Very rarely now do you hear a novelty song, except for Weird Al. You know, he's the exception to the rule, obviously. But very rarely do you hear a novelty song now that everybody is sort of really into. And in every decade, there's fewer than the decade before. Right, right. Now, yeah. I know you're a huge fan, and I'm not, you know, I'm not dissing on your man, but, you know, Weird Al, some of his songs, I think, are just a little strained. He had to work too hard to get something to rhyme to make it funny, like a lot of hip-hop. You know, if you listen to some of the lyrics, they just don't make sense at all. Well, you know, Weird Al, is, for a guy, you know, he's just so amazingly prolific, and you can tell that sometimes... 
as you said, he really just wants a song to work, and so he'll yeah. just sort of bend over backward to make it happen. But yeah, you know, the yeah, worst yeah. Weird Al composition is still so much better than most other novelty music out there. Oh yeah, yeah, it's good. You know, do you remember? I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember this genre, but there was a um, a type of song. It was a, it was a, again, kind of a comedy thing where they would uh, ask. Um, kind of just nonsensical questions about, I don't know, politics or whatever, and then they would take a snippet of a lyric yeah. from the song. Yeah, like, you remember those? Like Mr. Jaws was one of those songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that's Funny. a thing you can't do. it. You know, those Mr. Jaws songs, and for Mr. Jaws, exactly what he was, you know, what he was talking about, where the interviewer would ask somebody a question, and then the response would be a, a, a like a soundbite of movie dialogue, and they can't do that anymore because of copyright laws. It's because it is sampling. You know, same reason hip-hop can't sample without permission. That guy can't do that stuff anymore. So, all right. right. Thank you, sir. You know, hey, one more quick thing. Yeah. I think the last time I heard they're coming to take me away, I was listening in Walla Walla, Washington, that's where I grew up, to K-A-L-E in the Tri-City. K-A-L-E, 960 AM. Did you work at Kale? Yes, I did, sir. You did, man. Hey, love the show. Thanks so much. All right, thanks so Enjoy much. Enjoy the book. All right, bye now. All right. I did work at K-A-L-E. It was weird working at a place named after a vegetable. Kale. Hey. Did you know that Kale and Coin were sister stations, Tim? I did. Yeah, because... I kale in my... Is that in your veggie booty from uh, Trader Joe's? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, kale is... Uh, yeah, K-A-L-E and K-O-I-N. Kale and coin were sister stations because... And Craig Adams told me this, because I guess they were both slang terms for money. I oh. guess kale at one point was a slang term for cash. So kale and coin, it was like having cash and coin or something. It was two different slang terms. Here we right, go. There's King and Kong in Seattle. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know there was a K-O-N-G. Yeah, King bought Kong. You're freaking me out. Uh, they're coming to take me away. Haha, ha. 1966 novelty song by Napoleon the Fourteenth. Um, listen to this. This is a bygone era. Released on Warner Brothers Records, the depiction of mental illness became an immediate hit in the United States, reaching number three on the Billboard chart. All the kids wanted it. Number three on the singles chart. I've got to hear this song. Oh, it's freaky. Mm -hmm. And now, what's it called? I'm going to play it here. I've got okay, it. Okay, we'll we'll play it later. And I've got I'm My Own Grandpa, if you ever want to listen to that. Somebody send me the lyrics to that. Well, Tim, if we play the... the I, is it possible that they're coming to take away only two minutes long? Yeah. It seems like it goes on forever, though. It's... I, let me just say this. Imagine... There's barely two lines of lyrics in there. But it's just that... that in the background, it freaks me out even to think about it. Maybe Sarah won't find it unnerving at all. But for me... There was something deeply disturbing about the like song. Like you were hearing it through kid ears, kind of? Like when you were young? Yeah, were I mean, scarier. you know, it's like 10, 11, 12, 13, but I don't know. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, can you imagine, though, you're talking about this guy coming out of the 60s. Can you imagine being on some sort of mind-altering substance and hearing they're coming to take me away? You would jump up. You would full-on link letter yourself. I mean, you would jump off a skyscraper. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Uh... Uh, we will resume with Tim Riley in mere moments. Let's talk to CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Joining us now from Los Angeles. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm very well. Good afternoon. You remember the Napoleon 14th song, They're Coming to Take Me Away? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a freaky song. Oh, that was great. It's a, I, see, we were, we were just talking about it because I forget why, but somehow novelty records got mentioned. And we were talking about the greatest novelty records of all time. And oh, I was man, saying the 70s were ripe with them. The 70s, and I think the 60s and the 70s had a lot, and then every decade afterward, there's been fewer and fewer and fewer that, that really make a splash. Well, ever since rap. Uh, well, because... Rap, rap is novelty in itself. Well, I will say that for, and especially in the early, like the first decade, you know, of rap, sort of in the mainstream, you know, Dr. Demento, actually, I, I saw an interview with Dr. Demento where he talked about, he said that as rock became less 
fun. And as, as there were less fun rock songs being created, that hip-hop really did kind of pick up that baton. Because especially if you listen to some of the really early uh, uh, hip-hop records that were, that were huge hits, they were really novelty records, like Biz Marquis is a great example. Mm-hmm. Almost everything that uh, that Jazzy Jeff and the French Fresh Prince, French Prince did, you know, like when Will Smith was still the Fresh Prince. Yep. You know, parents just don't understand. I think I can beat Mike Tyson, Nightmare on My Street. All those Fresh Prince hits were basically novelty songs. Um, but then we started talking about they're coming to take me away and how it used to terrify me when I was a child. Really? Yeah. So anyway, um, and so forth. Um, did so, you have visions of white-coated gentlemen? Uh, hauling you to some funny farm where life was free, <laughs> where life is uh, and uh, things will be happy all the time, or whatever. It is. And it's like picturing the guys with the uh, the big nets, you know, coming right after you. So, uh, and then I was telling Tim Riley this, you know, the B side of their coming to take me away is just the same song played backward. See, I, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So they, yeah, it was just. I think they must have just had no other songs, and they must have told this guy, like, hey, like Napoleon. You, Look, you got like another hour of studio time, and you got three minutes on the other. What do you want to do? And he was just like, "Well, I uh, play it backwards, <laughs> print, you know." And then that was it. Uh, so anyway, just a, just a whole weird time in American music history. Um, and I think that's because well, I don't know why it was. I was going to postulate about the prevalence of novelty songs, but I'm gonna, I'm going to move on. I'm not uh, I'm not going to care that much. Hey, so this is now. You know, we we have the story a lot, but this is this is where you were you were once again at that confluence. Of like you got the winds going on down there, and yeah. you know, the high heat and the low humidity, which means that you know the whole left side of the country just goes up in flames. Everybody's stocking up on hot dogs and marshmallows. Right, right. It's so. really, and, and this is what's scary about this particular season is that we had all that rain. Right. And so now all this stuff, all this growth, is just brittle, dry. Mm. I mean, it. it you, you you walk through any wooded area, and all you're doing is crunching. Because this stuff is so dry and so dead, and just just the slightest spark, and this this wind, and how dry it is, how hot it is. Although it's kind of cool today, when those winds kick up this afternoon, it's like Katie bar the door. Well, here's a and here's a weird question. So, and not to try to tie everything into the economy, but you guys have had some economic issues down there already with the budget and everything. So, when you, I mean, is it, does this sort of stuff? I mean, because obviously you can't not put out a fire. So when wildfires happen, anything like this. Is it budgeted for in any way, or is oh, it just another way you grit, you grit your teeth and you're like, oh, all right. We, we budget so poorly in this state for firefighting um, because what – and the reason for – and we always go way over budget. You're talking millions of dollars over budget in firefighting, and we're already near uh, triple what's budgeted this year because right. of what happened earlier in the year. But the way it was explained to me by Governor Schwarzenegger is that if they go ahead and budget – the proper amount of money to fight fires. That means money's not going to certain programs. If there aren't the fires, that money cannot be reallocated somewhere else. It will have to stay there. So mm. something's not getting funded. What they would rather do is fund programs that need it and hope the fire season isn't that bad. Right, right, right. Which, you know, makes sense. But at some point, there has to be some reserve that they can, well, there obviously is. They get money from somewhere. I, I know. I think we're like seven billion dollars in debt right now. Uh, Schwarzenegger's asking the federal government to pony up some cash for him, and and, and a lot of that money is to pay Arizona, Nevada, uh, Washington State to for the firefighting stuff that they had to do for us in February and March. Ugh. 
I mean, and that, and that raises all of these, you know, where is that money coming from? And, you know, is there just some coming guy? Coming me, man. Well, and you just picture, so they just picture some, like, like some snuffy Smith-looking guy in a back room with one of those, like, hand-crank mimeograph presses just churning out $100 bills for the government. Like, all right, hold on, I'll get you some, Jesus, I'll get you some more, hold on. And kudos on the reference, man. I mean, well, that's what I do. Uh, you know, because, I, I, it, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just what we were talking today. I think we're thinking about this because the Dow's down below 9 today, down below 9,000. And, uh, you know, yeah, so, was it 87 something when yeah. I last saw? And you just start to, you know, it's, it's again, a lot of small things, not that the wildfires are small, but, you know, just these things that maybe wouldn't be huge deals, except it's like one more thing, one more thing, one more brick, you know, in this, this like wall that we're dealing with right, right. now, of just weird economic times. And, and already, I mean, they've overstaffed uh, all the fire stations. Because of this weekend, because of the uh, the wind event that's right. coming in, right? And those so folks are already deployed to certain high risk areas. So, so that means we're already paying, right? And uh, there's no fire so yet. The meters already. Did you hear they ran out of digits on the deck clock? Really? They ran. It sounds like a fake story. It sounds like an onion news story. So they ran out of room on the national debt clock. They actually had to remove the dollar sign to make way for the next digit. I think we should sell Crawford Ranch off. <laughs> I'm with you. Let's vote. You know what? You do, do we do a straight uh, yes, no, hands up, hands down on that right now? You get like 85% approval on that. I, I think I know the president doesn't make all the decisions, but he is kind of running the show. So if if the economy goes to pot when he is when there's a, if your president and the economy goes into the crapper, you should be responsible some way. You should be able to. You should have to sell off some of your assets to make up some of that. Right. Or no library. Hey, you know, let's just do this. Let's just start by auctioning off. You know, like a night with the Bush twins. That's it. There you go. Hey. Gonna auction that off right now. A night with the George Bush, with George Bush's daughters, uh, you know, in in Vegas. That's it. And then we'll move to Crawford Ranch. Then we'll move to Camp David. Uh, then we should just begin auctioning. You know what? And then we should do this. Then we should auction off the chance to have five minutes where you can just yell whatever you want at George W. Bush. You know? Yeah. There's five minutes. Here you go. For ten thousand dollars, we'll give you five minutes. Secret Service standing right there, so nothing gets ugly. Where it's you can the just... only job. That there are no consequences for doing a bad job. Right. You just, you, you know, especially if you got, you, you can't be reelected, so it's not like you're fired. <laughs> you know, you're 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 given a pension, Secret Service. You know, forever. I mean, yeah, and you may have done the worst thing ever to this country, which looks like we're in pretty bad shape now. But I'm, I'm not blaming George Bush for everything here. But there there needs to be some accountability. All right, no Secret Service. If you get shot, you know, start wearing a bulletproof vest. You know, I got to tell you, I'm uh, I'm reading this book right now called Thirty Three Days which is the story of, it is the first month, basically, after Gerald Ford took over for Richard Nixon. And it's a fascinating book because they cut back and forth between Gerald Ford and the White House, surrounded by all of Nixon's cronies and henchmen that are still there, trying to, like, make a clean start while trying not to lose the support of the people that were there before him. And then they, you know, but they, they parallel that by cutting back to San Clemente, where Richard Nixon, literally, they tracked Nixon, like, almost day by day in this book, from, you know, getting on Air Force Two or whatever it was, being taken to San Clemente, and, like, walk, walking into his house. And the first thing he did when he walked into the house was, like, to call Alexander Haig or whatever, and, you know, unpacking his stuff and figuring, like, what am I going to do now? But they list all of the stuff that Nixon got and continued to have access to and was given by the government. I mean, after being driven out of the office like he was some sort of a mangy dog. I mean, they burned him out of that office like he was some sort of tick burrowed in the national epidermis. Still got a library. And he got a library, secret service, he got transportation, he got a, a house that I do believe the government paid for in San Clemente. I mean, it's, it is astounding. You're right. It doesn't matter how badly you screw things up when you're president. 
There's no real consequences. It's the perfect job. So to fix the national, you know, balance the stupid freaking budget, we're going to start the bidding at like 10 or 20 grand. And you know what? For every 10 grand you pony up, you will get 90 seconds in a room where you get to scream anything you want at George W. Bush. <laughs> that's it, man. And for a hundred, you can't spit on them. No, that's a whole DNA issue. No physical contact, yeah. but you have 90 seconds to say whatever you want. And you know what? If, you, if for 150 grand, you get that, and then you get to give him one noogie. That noogie's good. There you go. You can do that. All right. That's you know, I, I used to always see uh, in my mind Richard Nixon. Just combing the beach in San Clemente with like a metal detector or something, <laughs> you know, with in six suits standing behind him. That picture always hit me. He's like, oh, just looking for loose change. Nixon's always hustling. Yeah. <laughs> just... Nixon will be back. <laughs> See, and you picture Nixon. That what's he wearing? Yeah, you know, Bermuda shorts and a big hat. <laughs> See, that's great. In my head, when I picture Richard Nixon in exile, as they say, it's always midnight. He's, it's always midnight, and he's always wearing like some sort of a, like a cloak, almost like a Bella Lugosi cloak, and he's always just swooping around a marble hallway somewhere, just I don't know, looking for victims or, I don't know why he's always just lurking around like behind, like in the shadows, like peering around a corner with like glowing red eyes. He's stalking. Nixon needs fresh blood. <laughs> All right. On that note, my friend, as always, a pleasure. You on tomorrow? Uh, oh yeah. All right. Wait we'll a minute. I, I don't know. I think I'm, I think they're going to force me to take a day off tomorrow. I'm not sure. Oh, man. You know, you know, you, you know, you have a work ethic like the days of old. That's yeah. what I'm saying. All right. Well, I'm stupid. If you're forced <laughs> to take time off, we'll talk to you on Monday. Then have a good weekend. Oh, in any call event. me anyway. I don't care. All right. Good for you. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay, bud. Bye now. There you go. There's Jim Roof. There you go. We're not going to call him anyway, by the way. Yeah, not because we don't like on. him. Not because we don't like him. Because CNN yells at us when we do that. And by us, you mean me. Yeah, well, that's and thinking things like God bless him, but like Lisa and Jim are like, no, 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 just call my call my cell phone, and then we call their cell phone, and then we get yelled at. Sarah gets yelled at. All right, here's Tim Riley. So apparently, uh, yesterday's house that fell off the side of the hill, which was featured on Anderson Cooper Lots of Laughs segment, uh, sounded like a metal trash can scraping on asphalt by those who were there, and and some people called nine one one to report it. What had happened? Let's see if this works. Okay, I'm gonna. uh... All right, I'm, uh... Kathy? 911. I just called 911. Where are you calling back? I, my next door neighbor's house just fell down the hill. Neighbor's house fell down the hill? house fell down the hill. Kathy, get out of there. Are you inside? I'm, I'm watching her. She's standing on top of the house. Kathy, come on. Kathy. Oh, it's 6442 Southwest Burlingame Place. Okay. Wow, that is... How many are in the house, Carol? Uh, are you the only one home, Kathy? Uh, she's the only one home. Okay. Is she out? Yeah, we're trying to get her out of the house. Wow. That's... All right, let's pause that. Yeah, it's kind of... All right, that's freaky. All right. So that's you get weird. You can hear that sound in the back. It sounds like some. It sounds like a vacuum cleaner sucking up marbles or something. Jesus. All right. Well. So there you go. Now did it? I'm unclear about this. So it hit a car. Did it hit other houses? Yes, it hit another house on the way down. So it actually. The one at the bottom of the hill. So uh, so house number one actually hit house number two. That's correct. Wow. All right. Uh, oh, by the way, apparently I share my birthday with Tammy Faye Baker. And, oh yeah, and, we talked about that. And Willard Scott. And Willard Scott. How could I have forgotten? All right, here's Tim Riley.
The Republican presidential ticket remains divided on whether or not to drill for oil in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge in Alaska. Now, Senator John McCain is opposed to it, but Sarah Palin is for it, and I guess she blames the disagreement on Democrats. They have said no, no, no to every domestic solution that has been proposed. So what John McCain says, well, maybe he might be willing to discuss this. This may sound a bit gratuitous, but crazy. at least because Senator, uh, Governor Palin, Sarah Palin, is so persuasive, I would like to come to Alaska. I haven't been there in many years anyway. And maybe I'll agree to go visit that area and have a look. What is he talking Have a look I'm at confused. what? It's a big ass place what is he going to look he at he doesn't want to drill in alaska she does i know well, no, they disagree no no no. i understand that but i'm saying when he's, he's just going to go up and have a look and like, whatever oil looks like in the ground what is actually going to mean well in the deep hole and there's oil down what is this like her pipeline project yes thing? the god wants her to drill that goes all the way through canada anyway well here's a dumb question do alaskans want that it doesn't matter if alaskans want it or not no that's what i'm saying but i mean i mean i would be curious to know what the citizens of alaska thought about it I don't know. They never asked them what they think. I get, I'm surprised that nobody has just said, hey, you're an Alaskan. What do, you, what do you think about this oil business? But do you share my assessment that they can't control her? Yeah. They, they don't care at this point. I mean, she excites the base a little bit. Yeah. More than he does. Absolutely. Whether or not she's right or wrong, she does get a lot of attention. Well, that's why I think I accidentally called him. Uh... It, like, it doesn't matter at this point. It really doesn't. No, it doesn't. You're right. Uh, I guess I was actually thinking of Obama that I accidentally called vice president. But uh, the... Uh... But, you know, you're right. I mean, McCain is toast. I mean, the campaign is hosed. They're not going to win. But Sarah Palin is making the most that she has out of the time left because yes. she's got another three weeks, basically, to build her own brand to carry right. her once this is done. It's like when we were next door at the Fisher Building. Everyone was fired and the building was empty except for us. No right. one cared what we did there for a year. Exactly. They were just counting down the clock. <laughs> so they moved us eventually, but they planned all along to get rid of us. So we had a guy juggling fire in the parking lot because, hey, there was only a limited amount of time and there's nobody to tell us it's no. The same thing. So, uh, you know, and you can tell because she's just she's disagreeing with him in public. Mm -hmm. Well, there's that thing the other day where um, he pulled all of his resources out of Michigan and, like, the first microphone she could find, she's like, I think that's wrong. That's a mistake. Like, vice presidents don't do that. If you're a vice presidential candidate, you don't go in front of a camera and say that the guy on the top of the ticket just made a mistake. You don't do She's it. She's kind of keeping, like, speaking out of turn, it seems like. Exactly. Quite a bit. Yeah, they can't. You know your place, little lady. That's... Or, and, and if it was a man, little men. Like, know your place. Sarah can say that because she's a woman. Mm -hmm. Sarah can say that because. She's a woman, and I'm a woman, and um, I had five children. She has five. Yeah, but they obviously can't control her, which is why these insane things at her rallies keep happening. Mm -hmm. All right, here's Tim Riley. The McCain campaign today released its latest ad entitled Ayers. The ad highlights Democratic presidential candidate Barack Obama's long-standing relationship with this unrepentant domestic terrorist named Bill Ayers. The ad said the two knew each other and served together on two boards meeting in 1995 and questions Obama's judgment and candor. But Obama's friendship with terrorist Ayers isn't the issue. The issue is... Barack Obama's judgment and candor. When Obama just says, this is a guy who lives in my neighborhood, Americans say, where's the truth, Barack? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's just stupid. Yeah. I wonder if Barack Obama eats hot dogs. Uh, I have the best idea ever. What is the best idea ever? I can tell you don't really think it's the best idea ever. Your tone of voice indicates that you think this might be a big build-up to an anticlimactic reveal. You know what the... Uh, it's probably too late, and it doesn't matter in this in any event, because McCain's going to lose. He's done. But you know what the Democrats ought to, uh, ought to do? 
And the Republicans could try, but Republicans never... Are, here's the thing. The problem with Republicans is they're just not funny. Uh, Republicans, conservatives aren't funny. They just aren't. And that's just... Uh, sadly, that's just a, a fact most of the time. Um... You know, and people kind of talk about Dennis Miller, and you know, truth be known, Dennis Miller's actually pretty liberal on, you know, on almost everything except Bush and the war. But even if you think that Dennis Miller's become some flaming conservative about it, you know, he was a comedian and, you know, a very progressive bent comedian for a long time anyway. But that's the other reason, you know, that's the reason why Rush Limbaugh became so popular is because Rush, at least at a certain point, was hilarious and conservative. And they stand out because conservatives just aren't funny. There's just something about being a conservative. That it's like the humor part of your brain just kind of goes and just shrivels up. So they probably wouldn't be able to pull this off. So it probably would have to be the Democrats. Instead of creating rebuttal ads, instead of creating, you know, like some other, you know, like, like John McCain punches nuns in the face, you know, or whatever, something like that. They ought to just start doing this. They, and they should recruit Mike Nelson and those guys if they actually can. And they ought to just start taking McCain's attack ads. And then putting the Mystery Science Theater guys in the lower right-hand corner. And just playing McCain's ad back unchanged and having, like, Mystery Science Theater commentary over the top of the McCain ad. And that is the, the Obama response. Or playing it backwards on the flip side. <laughs> playing it back. <gasps> they should totally take a McCain ad and play it backward and plant a secret message in it. That's hilarious. And no one can take it seriously, so it's not like it's slander. And it's funny. And it would get people talking. But the Mystery Science Theater thing, they should do that. Look, we're not even going to make our own ads. McCain puts up an ad. The next day, we're going to play it back with Mystery Science Theater commentary in the lower right-hand corner. Eat that. All right, here's Tim Riley. Madonna, who's 50 years old, kick off the U.S. leg of her sticky and sweet tour in New Jersey by leading an anti-Palin chant, banning the Alaskan government from all her shows. You know what's wrong with my party? Now, that's playing to the bass, Tim. That's what that is. Love that's it. a 50-year-old pop print. Yeah. I'm going to be seeing her on the 9th of December in Vegas. Now, is that the MGM? Yes. Yeah, see, it's probably sold out. I tried, I tried to see it last time. Mm-hmm. Are there tickets available? Doubtful. You yeah. can try. I suck. I tried to see it last time. Not bad for a 50-year-old. No. All right. And, I, and you know what? I, and I miss Bette Midler. And I think Manilow's done there, too. Uh is Cher there? Cher's there. I would almost see Cher. Are you kidding? Almost see Cher? She'll be retiring for the next 30 years. Take your time. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I don't feel the pressing need to see Cher. Like, Bette Midler, you get the feeling she might hang it up at some point. And, uh, you know, Manila's not looking too hot. And I've never, ever, uh, I mean, I've never seen Madonna. And But, you know, I get the feeling, though, that even if Madonna quit touring the rest of the country or whatever, she probably would still go to Vegas. I mean, that's like a guaranteed, you know, that's a guaranteed check for her. So... You know, anyway, I just, I've missed her like the last three times she came through here. All right, here's Tim Riley. That's been great. Well, uh, Paris Hilton continues to inject some humor into political issues with her new Funny or Die video spoof, which she runs, oh, in which she runs for fake president. In her latest clip, the 26-year-old fastinista sits down with actor Martin Sheen, who also played the fake president in NBC's West Wing. Brain hurts. Sheen warns Hilton... That this is really getting different. Shane warns Hilton that the role is more difficult than she might think because of the changes in pop culture. Hilton then proceeds to mock many of the issues that are hot topics in the current presidential race. Nowadays, sound bites, not sound policy, determine our country's course. I plan to bring a fake balance approach to these real problems. For example, FOPO, 
What, what is FOPO? Foreign policy, silly. Of course, BF. I should have known that one. This country is so effed up. Was that recording the, the stairway somewhere? I don't know. This country is so... <laughs> it reminds me of something else. <laughs> me too. <laughs> we have just become so nutty in this country, which is not bad. I don't care. But the people in other countries must just think we're all insane. And we've got Martin Sheen interviewing Paris Hilton about running for fake president. All right. Which is getting more attention than actual campaign ads. Mm-hmm. We have just become one weird uh, kaleidoscope in this country. One big weird funhouse mirror. All right, still a couple more, and then we'll take these calls and we'll uh, we'll break. What's going on in Illinois? You ask. Drastic Economic Times has resulted in an Illinois sheriff taking an unusual action. The county sheriff of Cook County, Tom Dart, has announced he is stopping all mortgage foreclosure evictions until lenders offer proof that occupants of a foreclosed home having given the proper 100-day, uh, 120-day notification. This is an example of where the banking industry has not done any of the work they should do. It's a piece of paper to them, and these poor people are seeing everything they own put out in the street. Wait, this is the sheriff? This is, he's the sheriff. Does it? So wait, so if you're a sheriff, you have to run for re-election, right? Yes. Okay, well, that's, he is just assured that he will be elected forever. He will be, they, he will be voted for, uh, sheriff for life. Uh, not just of Cook County, but of all of Illinois. He says he's outraged. I've told them, you send an agent out, you send somebody out that gives me any type of assurance that the appropriate person is in the house, I will fulfill the order. But when you're just blindly sending me out the houses where I'm coming across innocent t- tenant after innocent tenant, I can't keep doing this right now and, and have a good mm-hmm. conscience about it. Good for him. That's a guy with a that's a guy with a bright political future. I'm telling you right now. Yes. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, who are also citizens of California, are being urged by the church to call their friends and family all in the name of support for Proposition 8. This defines marriage in California as being between a man and a woman, and many members of the church are urging fellow supporters to support the legislation. The president of the 70 at the LDS Church said he and uh, same-gender marriage will bring terrible consequences. The consequences of same-gender marriage is a, are a subject that has received some attention, and it's really hard to know exactly what will happen. Will there be consequences? Sure there will. Of course there will. What will they be exactly? Well, time will tell. Borrowing Neil Armstrong's headset. Jeez, and that's the, the biggest non-answer. It's like, there will be consequences. I don't know what the consequences are, but it's perhaps... It's L. Whitney Clayton. It says here he's the president of the 70. I don't know what that means. Oh, he, uh, the, wait, hold on. Oh, God, my wife is losing respect for me right now. The, the, the 70 is, let's see, because there's different layers of bureaucracy in the church. There's the president slash prophet. Um, then there is the quorum of the 12, which is like his, that's like, the quorum of the 12 are like the cardinals. Are uh, they the people who, who store in uh, pickled beets and things in the basement? Or did they the all? The quorum of the 12? Yeah. Don't they s- store food in canned goods? Quorum of the Twelve, known for their pickled beets in basements. No, I think who are those the who are those the guys who vote on the Pope? Is it the Arch? No, not it's not the Archbishop. The Cardinals? Is that it? Yes, I think so. So the Quorum, the Quorum of the Twelve are like the Cardinals. The Seventy, the Council of the Seventy, or whatever the hell, that is like Archbishops. So they're like three layers down. They're 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 the third most powerful sort of layer of the of the because the, the Mormon Church is basically just run like an Amway organization. And so they're like on the third they're they're the like and 
It, it really is true because there's it was Gordon B. Hinckley. Uh, I don't know who it is now. Who became? Is it Spencer Kimball? Who became the new president pro, uh, prophet of the church? I forget. But he's at the top of the down line, mm-hmm. and then you know he's got the quorum of the twelve, and he's there. He sells soap to them, and then they sell the soap to the to the council of the seventy or whatever, and then they sell the soap to like the bishop, you know, and whatever. And then the stake president. Kind of freaks me out that I know stuff like that. We should uh, take this call. Then we'll take a break. We'll come back. More from Tim, Dorothy Carcassari, and we will be playing They're Coming to Take Me Away, Ha Ha, by Napoleon the 14th. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Uh, good show today. Thank you, sir. Hey, listen, I've got a – you were asking yesterday morning uh, saying you wanted a limerick for that Burlingame house that fell down the hill. We couldn't come up with anything, yeah. All right, well, here's, here's – try this one. Her house on a hill, when the bottom fell out, the owner inside was not hurt but did shout. All right. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right. There you go. It's 503-733-2970. This is a good time to break. Good decision making. Shut up. Just because it's your birthday doesn't mean you can be mean to me. Back after this, it's uh, the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. Tim Riley. Uh, we'll talk uh, to Fatboy Roberts with his top five teen movies of all time. We'll do 60 seconds of speaking for Henry Rollins tickets and uh, more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. What kind of, you know, what, what are my choices for bread? And she said, white wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. And clearly she had it hold down to like a whole David Mamet-esque like flow. White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. 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 What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. What are my choices for bread? White wheat, sourdough, English muffin, bagel. Jesus, Jesus. Good segue. The segue queen. All right, it's 503-733-2970. All right, you're right. I think we're going to have a scalding there for a second. I know. I was, like, pouring coffee and sneezing and then telling you to start the bump. There was this great, terrible moment where Sarah had sneezed once as she was filling, a, like, a paper cup full of, like, a Starbucks thing full of coffee again. And then you're holding the thing full of hot coffee, and you have that, like, uh, and I was like, wait, you okay? You're about to, no, no, no. And I just pictured, like, a whole, kind of a burning thing. Let it be noted that for my birthday now, Richie's given me strawberry lube and a roll of toilet paper. Thank you, Rich. Well, when you're Richie, that's a whole weekend. <laughs> hey, I wanted, uh, I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be known. By the way, I don't know why this just occurred to me. Oh, you know, here, here's why. Then that guy who called up and he said "bird" is the word earlier, and we didn't know what the hell he was talking about. That, that was a trashman surfing bird. Yes, and I guess last week's Family Guy. I guess Peter got a hold of "surfing bird" by the trashman on last week's Family Guy, and was just li- and listened to it like sixty times in a row. One of those things where the joke goes on so long that it becomes hilarious. I guess that's Garpax wh- label. I think. You're such a nerd. Garpax, also home of what the what novelty singer? I don't remember. Garpax was the home of uh, Bobby Boris Pickett and the oh, Monster Mash. Monster Mash. There you go. 
Uh, and Don Geronimo. Uh, so, oh, my God, it's already 150. I know, it's crazy. How does this even happen? So I guess last week's Family Guy, there was that bird is the word thing. Um, that reminds me of this. Oh, I don't know if I should say this on the air or not. Uh, okay, let, we're going to turn off our mics for a second, and I'm going to say something, and then you all, Sarah and Tim, will tell me if I should say it on the air. Okay, mic's off. I mean, I wouldn't say who, obviously. Mm-hmm. Who? who? Like somebody... I, mm, yeah. Who? But, I mean, is that a statement I could make on the air, yeah. vaguely, generally? Yeah. Yes, you're the program host. I would say yes. Well, but I'm saying, do you feel it would be right to do so? No, I mean, I just... Uh, no more wrong a... than anything else. Yeah, it's not like it's a negative <laughs> character. <laughs> I guess the bar is set a little differently here. <laughs> that's, that's really true. Yeah, see, that's why. Okay, that's exactly who I would think. All right. Well, I won't say it then. All right. It, I was about to, re- I, I was about to make an observation that, in the opinion of someone else who works here, no one in this room, mm-hmm. in the opinion of someone else, we have a coworker who resembles an animated character known to millions. And I was about to make that observation without any names, but Sarah just proved what I what I kind of suspected, which is that the resemblance is so striking, everybody would immediately know who no, I was talking like about. Not like a bigger, like a, like a bigger one though. Yeah. Well, no, no, sort of like a more like a. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, never. Mind, we're gonna move on. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Oh, by the way, speaking of of animation, so I know that you guys probably didn't, but for anybody who saw South Park last night, holy God. Holy God Almighty. It, South Park is one. Do you ever watch South Park? And I know you've had this experience there where it's not that I don't love South Park. I do. Trey, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, geniuses. And I don't use that word like they are genius, especially Trey Parker. He is a flat out freaking genius. But that show is on so often. And let's be honest, it's been around forever. And you kind of take it for granted, mm-hmm. right? In other words, you know, South Park, and love because they run it constantly. The reruns are always on. So South Park, I think, for a lot of people, is not destination viewing right now because you know that they're going to run it endlessly in reruns, and you'll be able to watch it online. They just released today a South, a South Park iPhone application, and they're going to be streaming episodes, I think, to your iPhone. So so last night, I'm flipping around, kind of grazing, you know, and I, I'd, I'd watched Anderson uh, Cooper, and I'd watched The Shield from Tuesday, which is great. And I'm like, well, what should I watch? And I flipped over, and I landed on Comedy Central, and it's like, tonight, season premiere of South Park. And I went, hey, look at that. You know, I, I forgot it was the season premiere. I'll settle in. And you have had this experience where you sort of start to take South Park for granted, and then they do something that is just so horrifically vile, mm. something that is just so beyond the realms of acceptability that you kind of go, wow. Family it, Guy does that to me sometimes, too. Where I'm just like, did they just do that? And it's hilarious, but at the same time, like, oh, God, it's so wrong. Do you remember? Do you remember that South Park where Britney Spears, yes, with the talking jaw, blew off her head with a shotgun, but she was still alive, and so it was just Britney Spears. Seriously, it was it was just Britney Spears, like her the stump of her neck and her tongue but was so all that was left. Than how it sounds. Yeah, and even I'm not even making it sound as bad as it was. It was just Britney Spears's like bloody stump of a neck and her tongue and like three teeth still alive and still has a singing career. So they would so they would cut to Britney Spears. All right, Brittany, you're ready to lay down that vocal track? Okay, here we go. And it starts. And then, all right, Brittany, you're vocal in three, two, one. For like 20 minutes, and you're watching it going, Jesus, God almighty. What sick bastard put this program in? Why am I watching this? So there was one of those moments last night. Oh, no. Where, and, and let me describe it this way. 
I'm going to describe, because, you know, they do this thing on South Park where there's two different storylines at once. Here's the second storyline, which is not near. This is how bad the first storyline was. The second storyline is Cartman is convinced that the Chinese are about to invade America. So Cartman is trying to get all Americans to rise up and form an army to stop the Chinese, like Red Dawn style. And it's to recruit, uh, you know, to, to, to find out what the Chinese are up to. Cartman and Butters sneak into a P.F. Chang's because, you know, they want to find out what the Chinese are up to. And, you know, the joke is they go in and it's all like white people inside. But they, they go into the P.F. Chang's and it's Cartman and Butters. This is just on South Park. Cartman and Butters, who have put on, like, the, the rain hats. Oh, uh, like Richie has. Fake, like, you know, like, goofy, like, teeth, like, in the front. And, like, they've, you know, like, you know, whatever. They've, like, put, like, the tape on their eyes or whatever to, like, look at it. And then they are talking in, like, the most stereotypical, you know, like, as Richie would put it, the hero thing. And you're watching Cartman and Butters do this awful, like, horrible, offensive racial caricature. And, you're, and then, but it's South Park, right? So, God help you, you're laughing. And you're going like, oh, that's soap. Oh, that's not. <laughs> and you're trying not to laugh. The the main plot is so much worse than that. The main plot is that the rest of the kids, Kyle, Stan, um, uh, who's the kid on the, the crutches, Jimmy. The, the other kids are trying to have George Lucas and Steven Spielberg arrested because they hate Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull so much, they're trying to have Steven Spielberg and George Lucas arrested for raping Indiana Jones. And so, at four points during the episode, each of the kids is asleep or is having a... They show four different characters during the episode having a flashback. Presumably a flashback to being in the theater and watching Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, except the flashback isn't them watching Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. In the flashback... It is a long, explicit, horrible sequence where, literally, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas are holding Indiana Jones down and raping him. Literally. And they do it from different movies. They do it the accused style, like on a pinball machine. They do it deliverance style, like in the backwoods. And they, and they make Indiana Jones squeal like a pig. It is... It is one of the most horrifying things I have ever seen in my life. But at the same time, you're going like, that's genius. But it's so wrong. I could, and I know that I should be numb to it by now. I could not believe that I was seeing it on television. I could not, I could not fathom that they were showing literally a brutal gang raping on Comedy Central in a cartoon and it's made all the worse by the fact that they, like, their Steven Spielberg and George Lucas look exactly like them. Like it's not bad construction paper. Like it's, it looks just like them. And it's Indiana Jones. And it's a lot. I will just say this one thing. There's a moment where George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. It sounds even insane to talk about it. There's a moment where Steven Spielberg and George Lucas have got Indiana Jones in a dark alley holding him down. And the moment where I just kind of went, oh, God almighty, is where George Lucas says, this says, Hold him down while I pull off his pants. And I'm watching this going, Jesus Christ. So you all have to watch it so we can share the same trauma. I don't think so. It was so, but at the same time, you're going like, that needed to be done. Like someone it needed to be done. Someone needed to make that episode to like say like, someone needed to speak for all of us, Sarah. Okay, can we move forward from the Indiana Jones reaping? God, it was so vile. So vile. It was like the worst thing I've ever seen. All right. 
Oh, are we, are we having Dorothy Carcassari? Hey, Richie, are we having Dorothy Carcassari? Because I want to ask her about the front page, you know, the cover of the new Inquirer. I'm glad she wasn't on hold to hear this. I've gotten emails this morning, though. I got an email from a guy who's like, please tell me I wasn't the only one who watched that. Please, I need to know somebody else watched it. It was so vile. Jesus. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. White wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. White wheat sourdough English muffin bagel. White wheat sourdough would, uh, English muffin bagel. I, w- I would like to thank you very much for uh, <clears throat> putting that in my head for the next 24 hours. I literally will wake up in the morning, and that will be just it, it, the depths of my conscience just going off in my head, and I'll, I'll realize, what the hell am I here? And I have to thank you for that. Thank All right, you very thanks. much. It's what we do, sir. Well, uh, keep doing it, and that's uh, whoever. All right, thank you, my friend. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 Yeah, hey, Rick. Um, I think you're confusing humor with being deviant. Well, I can't really disagree with that uh, with that assessment, sir. Yeah. Can we? Would it, would it help if I just agree with you now? No. I, so you think those things aren't deviant? What things? Hold he on. He just said he agreed with you. I agree with you. Whatever okay, it is cool. you're about to say, I agree. Okay. I mean, you're you're a funny guy. I really like listening to you. Is this like when you tell somebody you're a great girl and any guy would be lucky to have you, but? Look, you're homely. Anyway, uh, you, get, you get a little carried away sometimes. But. And? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that was all he had. Oh, he all right. You. Yeah. Who can argue with that? That's true. You know, that is the sort of... Uh, He's on my team. That, that is the sort of crystal logic and clarity that really puts somebody in their place. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hi, Tim. Hi, Sarah. What's up? Hello. I got to tell you, um, I I just love your show today. You've got, you know, Tim has the perfect delivery of news and little stuff. Uh, Rick, you get lost on shiny objects, and Sarah pulls you back. I love the ensemble working. It, it's flawless. Well, thank you, sir. Okay. I'm just curious um, about, you know, the, the bailout and the economy and all that. Are the, the Senate hearings about all this going to be open or closed? Tim? I would say open. I mean, we, you know, we've been sort of reporting on this over the last... I mean, I don't think it's going to be a closed year. We've had some reports, uh, you know, already about sort of the process as it's been happening. And I think at this point, I mean, who, who's to say? But I think at this point, if they tried to just have, like, a whole curtain of secrecy over any more of this, uh, you know, I think... I, I don't think anybody there would retain their job this November. And then there are more horrible things that just came up today. Really? Mm-hmm. Do I get to hear about them soon? Yes. I can't what wait. Was it? What was it? So I would imagine, sir, that, yeah, that'll, there'll be some full transparency there, as they say. Oh, uh, well, I sure hope so, because the the whole thing, you know, is just so irritating. I got an email that averages out to about thirty-seven grand a piece for everyone. Thanks, guys. Well, it's it's what they do. There are more startling re- revelations today. All right, we'll have more startling no. revelations, revelations in a moment, sir. Thank you very much. No. Best clever. Oh, and one more thing. What might that be? Yeah, thank you. I thought he was going to be a goodbye guy. No. no. This guy says, Rick, South Park, I literally put my hand over my mouth in shock while watching South Park last night. All right, how about we look it up on the YouTubes? What? I'll, I'll look up the gang raping scene on the YouTubes. <laughs> that way you That's don't have Sarah to, Dillon who said that. You don't have to go at all. Oh, well, you know what? Actually, I don't want to look up gang rape on the YouTube. Be sure to let Troy Harrington know. For you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, attention, HR. I'm all bold. South Park. Rape. Yeah. Rape. All right. Not rap. Gang rap. I'm going to go listen to some gang rap. 
No time for love, Dr. Jones. All right. Um, who wants to break? Tim? Sure. <laughs> okay. And to come back when we return around the corner, God help us, uh, we got a high concept Thursday. We have 60 seconds of speaking for your shot at Rollins tickets. Uh, we'll count to the top five teen movies of all time. Tim Riley returns with more deviance and news later, plus more shocking revelations about the American economy. I won't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. And I went Why, hello. To pick her up in the rain. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We return to the strains of David Allen Coe. It's 503 Here's what's still to come. We'll do 60 seconds of speaking here in just a few minutes. Uh, don't call yet, but we'll do a few for your shot at Henry Rollins tickets. Uh, tickets at Ticketmaster.com. He's going to be at the Newmark Theater Monday the 13th, so we'll try to get those away. Uh, Bobby Roberts will be in here in a, just a, a skosh to do his top 15 movie songs. More from Tim Riley. Uh, all right, do you have that? Uh, do you have the South Park thing? Yes, I have it buffered. All right, so this is, so we'll have you turn the sound up. So we're going to have Sarah watch this on the air. Uh, so this is a sequence from last night's South Park in which they depict the uh, horrible sexual violation of Indiana Jones. Is this the one where they're in an alley? Yeah, so they're, they're grabbing him, and they're putting him up against the wall, and they're taking off his shirt. Because there's one where they're on a pinball table. Okay, are you watching it now? Is it rolling? Yeah. Okay. Are you listening? Oh, my God. Are you listening to it? Yeah. Okay. Okay, here's a pinball. Oh, my God, is this like that Jodie Foster? Well, I didn't movie? say that. You should keep watching. No, no, no. no. So this is Sarah watching um. The George Lucas, uh, Steven Spielberg, Indiana Jones scene from last night. Oh, my and, God. Uh, you'll, uh, yeah, and uh, you just let me know. Oh, they're, like, covering his mouth. <gasps> you just let me know when it's done. And you'll know what I mean when I say done. You'll know what I'm talking about. Just oh, me... my God. Yeah, you'll let me know when that's done. I feel dirty watching this. Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> welcome to what our was, world. Oh, that movie was The Accused. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, welcome welcome to the world of everybody who watched South Park last night and wasn't quite expecting that to happen. Yeah, they uh are they um And now there's another one they're now, they're now in a jungle with Oh, they're doing a, oh, it's a montage. You're just watching a montage of all of the different uh, Okay, have scenes I watched enough? Together. I think that pinball one yes. was enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I Yeah. So imagine watching South Park do 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 do. Hey, Cartman's doing something wacky at a PF Chang's. Hey, do do do. The pinball machine thing is disturbing. Seriously. Seriously. I know. That is messed up. And so I'm watching it last That's night. That's not I'm even like, funny. So I'm sitting on the sofa last night, and I'm like, hey, South Park season premiere. Hey, who loves, everybody loves South Park. I haven't seen it. That's great. I'm going to settle in. I got the, there's, I just done the stupid thing of like, I got, you know, Max sitting there, and the new dog kind of jumped up on me, and they don't, they haven't gotten along really well. So the new dog, Philo, is kind of falls asleep, kind of snuggled up next to Max. I'm like, oh, that's cute. So I'd done this dumb thing of like taking the camera and like taking a little picture of the two dogs snuggling up and... That's great. Let me watch South Park. Hey, that looks like Steven Spielberg. Hey, there's there's Indiana. Ah, oh, God. You know, and then you just, what happened to you? There you go. So now you've now you've suffered the same trauma as everybody else from last night. Oh. It's 503-733-2970. All right. Well, uh, let's do this. Let us do the 60 seconds of speaking, uh, and then we will uh, do today's uh, top five with Bobby Fatboy Roberts. All right. It's 503-733-2970. 503 503- 
733-2970. Uh, okay, so what should people be speaking about today, Sarah? Um, I don't know, because they've botched it the past two times I've picked. Uh, well, they haven't botched it. I mean, they just haven't. They've gone far afield from it. Uh, we will take caller number five right now at 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. We will take uh, caller five as uh, we endeavor to give away a pair of tickets to see Henry Rollins uh, next Monday, the 13th. Uh, at the Newmark Theater. You can also get tickets right now at Ticketmaster.com. You can get tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. Since I'm shameless, maybe we can do something birthday-oriented. Oh, hey, there you go. Um, so maybe something about... Um, like their favorite, like describe your 12th birthday or something. Or maybe they could do this, Sarah. Maybe they could talk about a brand new bottle of vodka. Is that my present? Yes. Thank you, Rick. I'm sorry. I know it. I know it's lame. I know it's disappointing. Is, is this a re-gift, or did you go to the store and I buy bought it this. Yourself? No, no, no. I bought. I bought this. I went to the store. I purchased this. And I, look, I know it sucks. I know it's lame. It's just that a bottle of vodka. Suck. No, I think. But I. But I didn't want to be like. Here's a gift certificate to like. I love gift certificates. Uh, really? Who I didn't. Know this. Eh, maybe I think I've never forgotten before. it. All right. Well. But I do love vodka. Anyway, well. so I apologize for punting and getting you like a bottle of vodka. I suck. That's but uh, but you know. But I figure. Vodka is vodka. Thank you, vodka. So there you go. Especially if it's fancy sky vodka. There you Look go. Hey, nothing but the best from Rick. It's super premium vodka, and it's yes, it the is. finest American grain. I like the idea that it's not just premium, by the it's way. Super it's premium. super premium. Well, I am definitely hiding this from all the people that are they'll be spending yes. by my house tonight. Yes. So I tried this whole thing of like trying to get some celebrity that you really like to like do a call to the show, like. Hey, this is John Stamos. Just calling to wish you a happy birthday, Sarah, but I couldn't. I tried. How did you know my love for John Stamos? I tried several times to find a celebrity that I thought you would really be Rick, into to call the show. This is fine. I appreciate you. Actually, you know what the biggest gift was? Is that you remembered. Aww. Oh, because I know how hard it is for you to remember birthday. I forgot my last birthday. <laughs> Not that I find that funny. I'm just saying it's, you know. Let's move on. Uh, where am I going here? It's uh, Richie. Who am I? All right, let's do this. Uh, hello. Hi. You're caller number five. How are you today? Hey, I'm great. Rick, how are you? I'm fantastic. You ready to play for a pair of Henry Rollins tickets? Uh, yeah. Really? Yes, I'm ready. Super okay. psyched? Are you, yeah, are you, in fact, super psyched? Are you super premium psyched for it, sir? <laughs> I wet my pants a little. Okay. Uh, yeah. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you three, two, one. got to talk for 60 seconds about a subject we will give you moments from now. Uh, there's no, like, no um, no uh rule, but you do have to, main, you have to maintain forward momentum. In other words, you can't quit talking. Do you understand? Yes. I will let you know when you've reached 60 seconds. Are you ready, sir? Yep, I'm all ready. Right. Try not to wet yourself anymore, like, if at all possible. Okay. Uh, all right, you are going to be talking about scotch tape. In three, two, one, go. I like scotch tape better than masking tape, duct tape, <clears throat> or electrical tape because it's clear. Um, clear tape's good because you can see through it, and uh, you can roll it, and you can use it to stick... Posters on your wall, you can tape your fingers together, you can tape your eyelids back. Uh, it's not good for um, electrical reasons because it, uh, it conducts electricity, I guess. And uh, I can put on windows, you can, uh, you can still see through the windows, which is a good thing. And uh, I just want to use scotch tape every day on my birthday. I'll scotch tape my presents together, the wrapping paper. It's great for wrapping presents. Uh, it's just uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to make today scotch tape day, actually. I love scotch tape that much. And, uh, and if I get the Henry, the Henry Rawlings tickets, I'm going to scotch tape the tickets 
to my forehead when I when I go to the concert. All right, there you go. Sixty seconds. Well done, sir. Congratulations. Hey. I have good job. To say that was amusing. I didn't really think you were at the beginning. I didn't think you were going to be able to do it. I have to say I didn't believe either, but you proved us both wrong. When you I got didn't... to the point of it's clear, and then you made me follow up with, and you can see through it. I thought, oh no, he's he's done. He's out of kindling for this particular fire. Uh, you've proved me wrong, sir. Well done. You are going to see Henry Rollins next Monday at the Newmark Theater. Awesome. You, you guys rule. Thanks. All right, thank you. So I'm going to put you on hold. Richie Bristol, get your information. I All right. when people win. Me too. You know, and I, and I because it's sometimes you, and you'll get that thing where they get 10 seconds in, they go, I suck, I can't, and they hang up. Mm. So I like giving things away. Um, and uh, stuff. Let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, Bobby Fatboy Roberts, who will be joining us here momentarily, taking a long walk down the hall. Block one one K UFO. Hello, sir. How are you doing today? Oh, hi. There's an abundance of headphones. Yeah, we had the I know that never happens. I know. Storm and Byron were in here on. earlier. Oh, Byron. Which one was Byron on? You know, I don't really know. Right. The voice one. I'm going to grab this other one here. Well, okay. Well done. All right. All right. Are these going to be on our show later tonight? So I've, I've got all kinds of fresh hell waiting for. Are me. these in the system? Uh, yeah, they should be. Let's see. Uh, top five team. Okay, there we go. Yeah, there they are. All right. Uh, let's see. So, uh, oh, by the way, congrats on the Ghostbusters thing. I hear that was a, uh, yeah, it was it was a sellout. A, it was a sellout, and the crowd was nice. They were very nice. Um, not too many people trying to quote along with the movies. Not right, too many drunken right. asses. It was uh, it was a very nice screening. Good. I was very happy with it. And then uh, when they found out that we're going to be showing Army of Darkness Ooh, next month, yeah. yeah, they were very happy. Although not as happy as when I announced to them that uh, OJ got put in jail. Yeah, that's that was I, a, that was a vengeful, lustful cheer. That one. Was. I was texting everybody. I mean, I told the story. I was sitting on the couch yeah. at home, and I mean, immediately like. <laughs> OMG, OJ, <laughs> guilty all counts, OMG, OMG, you know, FTW, LOL, whatever, lol, cats, cheeseburger. Just spilled a box of alphabets on your cell phone. Totally. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, and then it, it, Aaron emailed me back like, you know, karma, FTW. <laughs> and Mailman Chris sent me something or whatever, and he said, like, the pop in the theater at that moment was... Uh, was no, it was. Right, it so. was lustful. It was like Romans watching Christians being fed to the lions. Right? Like, yeah! Uh, so it was... Uh, anyway, so Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness next month. I, and Are I, you trying to snag Bruce Campbell? Um, we were trying to. Um, I think we got him for December, but oh, we, oh, couldn't, oh. we couldn't get him for, uh, for November because he's, uh, he's pushing uh, My Name is Bruce is so hard. That they're already doing the second one? For what? The second My Name is Bruce? Yeah. I didn't know they were going to franchise I that. I think it was... Oh, I don't want to get myself in trouble. I think it was Don Taylor really? who told me that they're already doing a second one. I thought they were doing a second Bubba Hotep. I don't know. Okay. I might be confusing that with something else or her with somebody else, but I'm pretty sure yeah. she told me they're doing a second well, one. Well, Don so. Taylor typically doesn't stare anybody wrong, no. so. It might not be her. I may just be making this whole thing. Okay, okay well. All right, so you today, and it's and this is a good sort of, and you know, this is like a, uh, this is like a sorbet. Yeah. Sort of between, because we had Carl Click's Top 5 Moping Songs History, which is great, but you know, just... Man, if I hear one more Harry Chapin song, I'm going to off myself. And then tomorrow we're going to have a listener come in and do theirs. Then we're going to have Lisa Desjardins. And then, 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 that's it. then it's we're over. done. We're it's, taking like two toast. months off. Then oh, okay. we're done. I'm surprised no one has picked Behind Blue Eyes by The Who yet. Oh, hey, oh, good one. Why has no one picked that one yet? I mean, it wouldn't make my list, but I'm surprised that hasn't made I mean, with all the Harry Chapin songs. Do you have Blue Eyes? Behind Blue what? Eyes is basically a Harry Chapin yes. song. Okay. You should have totally picked it. I should have. You know, I also. I couldn't because I, have, I could do Kelly Clarkson Behind These Hazel Eyes. You don't. Do that. Don't. That's, no, I kind right. of kick myself at this point for not putting. Um, I the one the one mistake that I that I just am ruining right now. I really lament at this point because uh, I think I was like the second person. I lament not putting Chloe Dancer Crown of Thorns on mine. If, if I could do it over again, I would put that on there. I really I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself for that. Lots of fun with these top five lists is that you end up second guessing yourself right. if they're good. After I mean like the list I'm about to do, it started as something completely different cuz me and my girl were having an argument over dinner. I didn't even know how it started about, you know, the best teen movies ever. Right. And uh 
we started dueling top five lists. Well, because she's a big fan of uh, of uh, you know high fidelity, right. Nick Hornby. And so we'll, every now and again, we'll just pop top five lists on each other just at random. Go. Like we'll be in the middle of a conversation, like middle of a sentence, a top five, go, ping, and then we have to run off right. with it. Um, and this one lasted for about an hour, and I'm like, look, I'm going to get it. The top five all-time teen movies. And that's like done. Sword from the Stone. Big. I mean, hey, you, I, I believe in swinging big. All right. I believe in going for the fences. You know, he who dares wins. I believe in slow Five, kisses. Four, don't, don't do that. Three, two, one. That was Bull Durham. Fire. You know, that's a speech that it's impossible to find online. Yeah. And I don't own it. So I keep trying to find it online so I can use that speech to start the show, and I can never find it anywhere. I forget the rest of it. I remember I believe in deep, slow, wet kisses that last for three days. I believe Oswald acted alone. Yeah. Yeah, that one, too. Susan Sarandon never hotter than she was in that movie. Oh, that's a lie. Rocky Horror Picture Show. No, she wasn't. No. All right, well, whatever. I'm not going to go with that. She wasn't as sweaty as she was in Bull Durham. And then there's that bathtub scene. I saw that bathtub scene when I was, like, 11 with my parents in the room. That's sort of damaging, isn't it? Not as damaging as South Park last night. You should watch Susan's Ren and the Banger Sisters. That seems I, like that, a... That, that, might become, that might replace as, you, as your top one. I don't know. That seems like a false bill of good that you're selling me there. It seems like maybe she's the it best thing be about easy. a bad film. <laughs> uh, all right, so these... Now, this is your attempt to be definitive about this. Definitive. We have with uh, uh, Fatboy Robert Tessie's top five teen films... Of all time, no subgenres, uh, no subgenres, no no subcategorizations, anything. No, just try right. to pick the the ultimate in teen film. You pick one of these five, you're going to be nourished all as right. far as teen films go. Like the, uh, it, it's sort of like running the gamut from the uh, the originators to the uh, to the perfectors. Sort of like how people would say Run DMC invented hip hop, but no one would ever say they're the best rappers all alive. Right. That's sort of where I'm going with this list. You're going to get the originators, you're going to get the perfectors, and you're going to get everything in between. Right. Well, as they a, should be recognized. All right, bring as it. Scott Ferro, I was just going to say, as Scott Ferro would say, bring it. Yeah. All right. All right. The honorable mention, can't hardly wait. That, I completely agree with. Thank you. But the honorable, I couldn't put it in the top five because, um, I don't know, I think it's a little too new. But it perfectly captures um, that mid-90s, late-90s high school vibe. This is the year that I graduated high school. Really? Yeah. 98, yeah, and when this came out. I, I can't believe you didn't play Blink-182, damn it. Oh. That's like, because that is the pinnacle scene in that movie. You're right. Everyone's gone through that. When you're at a party and all of a sudden the cops are calling, and you're just like, crap, and everyone's running for the door and climbing on each other and stuff. Yeah, it, it sucks. I hate. Oh, I Worst list no, ever. What? It's, it's the title track. I mean, the, I the, the movie is named after the song, so I figured I should roll with this one. It's but. a great movie. It's You know, it's a legitimately charming, sweet, funny film. It really is. And what I like about it the most is while the, the A story with Ethan Embry chasing after uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt is good, it's, it's a a little tired, but it's good. The B story with Seth Green and uh, Lauren, what's her name? Being trapped in the bathroom all night. Oh, that was the coolest. There are so many lines I, I don't even realize that I'm quoting from that movie because it wasn't like a big movie. It's not like a lot of people have seen it. People right. don't like, you know, pray to the altar and can't hardly wait. But there are a lot of people who will recognize when you drop a line from that movie and they just smile. They just grin. Like when Seth Green's like, why you got to soak up all my free? Damn! <laughs> just drop that every now and again. People just laugh their ass off. Excellent. Top five teen films of all time. All right. The list proper. Number five, American Graffiti. Yeah. 1972. Well, Dunty, I... George Lucas. I... 
I can never hear those. I can never hear that name again the same way. Well, you got to think about it. In 72, Lucas pretty much invented the modern teen movie yep. with American Graffiti. I mean, and changed the way that you uh, you score movies. Before this, no one just played a jukebox in right. the background the entire time. I mean, right. I think the soundtrack to this movie is 50 songs deep, 60 oh, it's, songs and deep, it's huge. something like that. It was that. A, a blockbuster of a soundtrack. People point to Top Gun sometimes mm -hmm. as being you know the soundtrack that really broke the mold or Saturday Night Fever, but those were all original songs, or yeah. most of them anyway. This was, hey, here's a bunch of crap you remember listening to. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put it all together, and you're going to buy it again, which the Big Chill then capitalized on yeah. later. I mean, this was basically a mixtape. Yeah. And it was a great mixtape. I sort of wish Lucas had just become a DJ, actually, right. now. I mean, looking back in retrospect. But, I mean, at the time, he was still pretty fresh with his uh, with his filmmaking. Right. I think he made this thing for $750,000 in the space of, like, two weeks. And it holds up. Oh, it really holds up. You, you like Richard Dreyfuss, which is hard to do. Yeah. She's kind of a cranky bastard. Yeah. I mean, it's got... You end up liking him by the end of this movie. It's a good movie. It's legitimately sweet. It is nostalgic, in my opinion. And I wasn't there at the time, obviously. Yeah. But it's nostalgic, I think, without being pandering. Mm -hmm. It doesn't manipulate. It earns its nostalgic sweetness, honestly. Yeah. And of course, you know, and you know, and a lot of like me, you know, just doing this, it, it wins point. I mean, it's a gold just because of the Wolfman Jack thing. Yeah. Oh well. I mean, that is. Yeah. Dreyfus you know. chasing after the girl. And when he looks in and he Man sees Jack. him talking. Yeah. You know, and he's like, "Who's about a Wolfman Radio?" You know that when he looks in and sees him doing the voice or whatever, like that, mm -hmm. that makes the whole movie for me. Well, to me, um, one of my favorite parts is uh, it's a combination between a. Uh, uh, the little mousy guy, Toad, or whatever, trying to uh, score free booze right. underage, and uh, Bob Falfa racing uh, the dude in the big truck. I don't remember any of the names really anymore, but the the dude in the truck having to roll around with this 13-year-old girl right. and try and preserve his cool. Yeah, that's funny. That's just classic comedy to me. All right. Well, top five teen films of all time. Number four, The Breakfast Club. Couldn't Couldn't go without putting this on the list. It's not the only John Hughes film on this list. I will say that as far as the hint. A lot of John Hughes films got left off. Right. I'm pretty sure I'm going to take it in the shorts for not including like Pretty in Pink or Sixteen Candles, anything like that. But I, I never really read the Molly Ringwald ones. I never really right. really read. And this isn't really a Molly Ringwald one. No. I, she's she's pretty minor as far as this movie goes. In Breakfast Club. Yeah. I don't remember hardly anything of her. Except it's all Bender. Yeah. It's all you know John Bender is. Well, and Ali Sheedy too. Yeah. Although I think the most memorable thing is that spastic dance that Emilio Estevez does yeah. during... Oh, I love that when he's in the room with the all-glass room. And he yeah. shouts. <laughs> and they're doing that great thing of, like, I love that little dance they do where they're all standing on the railing or whatever, and they're just dancing. They're doing the sideways foot thing, the yeah. back and forth, which is great. Um, I yeah. think this is John Hughes' attempt at trying to be a little more adult and relevant. Right. I don't know why he never went back to it. Like, after he was done with his teen movie phase, he started making, like, little kids movies. I'll tell you why. I, saw an, I saw an interview with John Hughes, mm -hmm. and it was when he made... Uh, it was either right before or right as Home Alone was coming out. Mm -hmm. And they asked John Hughes, I think it might have been after, because they said, look, you're going to go back and you do more teen movies. And he's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm done with that. And they're like, young adult? And he's like, no, nah, no. And they said, why? And he, it's kind of poignant, but at least he was honest about it. He said, he said, I quit making teen and young adult movies, he said, because I don't understand teenagers anymore. He's like, I can't speak for them because I, I don't really understand them at this point, and I don't want to lie. Yeah. Which well, is, you know. That makes sense to me, but I just didn't understand why he couldn't have, you know, focused his insight. Because he's a very insightful filmmaker right. when he wants to be. Why didn't he, why didn't he tackle, you know, 30-year-olds, right. 4-year-olds, right. like make a straight-up movie, stretch a little bit. Instead, he made, like, Baby's Day Out. And we all cried a little on the inside. Yeah. The man who wrote Bender wrote that film. I mean, in this this movie, you look back at it now, and you, 
you can see, I guess, some, some flaws in it, maybe, or ways that I guess now it could be more sophisticated. Yeah. But especially for the time, it was a really ambitious film, you know, when you get there for teenagers. Yeah. It was an incredibly ambitious film at that time, especially. Yeah. Well, I think at this point, this was pretty much the uh, the pinnacle of uh, the teen film. When you describe right. teen, teen film, you thought Breakfast Club. A lot of people still do. Um, the next pick is um, sort of the de- deconstructionist teen film right here. Um, We're doing the uh, top five teen films of all time. Number three, Heathers. Oh, yeah. Mm. Look at you. This, this pretty much uh, deconstructed the teen film utterly and completely. Uh, it's sort of like... How's this for a comparison? This is sort of like the Watchmen of the teen movie. Totally. Well, Heather still holds up, too. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dang, well done. Do I, did I uh, redeem myself for the Blink-182 miss there? What teenagers do? Yeah. You know, Poor and, Martha Dump Trump. And they, the great thing about this movie is they... Even though you kind of know it was made in the 80s, the production design in the film was deliberately done to give it a sort of timeless look. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the costumes and hair looked weird even then. Yeah. And so as a result, when you watch it now, it does seem to take place in this sort of weird parallel universe, not really in the 80s. Yeah. I'm, and you got to imagine that Christian Slater watches this movie and just cries at what could have been. Yeah. Like, because it was this and pump up the volume back to back. Right. Which, didn't make the list, probably could have. Also surprising, um, as I made the list, I stopped and looked back. Not a single John Cusack teen movie made it. Not Say Anything, not Better Off Dead, not One Crazy Summer, which is my favorite uh, Cusack you. teen movie. I know, I know, but I mean... But Heathers is... It's, it, Heathers is that rare combination. It is dark and inspiring and funny and awful all at once. Oh, yeah. You know? I remember when I saw it, I thought it was the truest representation of high school. Because, yeah. I mean... The parents are that really believable combination of concerned and clueless. Right. But they didn't make them characters. You know, not characters. 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 They They weren't cardboard cutouts. Yeah. And they have little creepy things. And the movie's very smart in that it doesn't talk down to the audience. Like, they never bother to explain why uh, Christian Slater and his dad speak in each other's personalities. Yeah. So, you know, so, son, what'd you do at school today? I don't know, Dad, I went to math class, or whatever the hell they're doing. They never bother to explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't, have you seen the commentary? Uh, I have the DVD, I don't think I've watched it with the commentary. Don't listen to the commentary where you get to hear people such as the producers say that if they had it to do over again, they wouldn't make it, because they have kids now, and they feel it's irresponsible. <laughs> That's the best kind of teen movie to make. Yeah. They're responsible. Don't have kids, because it makes you a pussy. All right, number two. Number two teen movie of all time. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Well, well chosen. Well done. See, I thought people were going to have problems with this list, and I dare you to have a problem with it. I mean, this, it, how are you going to have a problem with it? It's not about what's on the list. It's about what's left off. That's yeah. what people always do. You know? I'm trying to construct the list so that you might have a problem, and then you realize there's no way right. what you want to replace anything on my list with is a, it's irreplaceable. You can't do it. So you talk about an honest depiction of, of adolescence. Oh, yeah. I mean, Fast Times, in many ways, is an absolute... Because Cameron Crowe Cameron Cameron has that ear for the truth. Yeah. You know, Cameron Crowe know, knows how to write dialogue that rings absolutely honest. Mm-hmm. And I wish he would... He hasn't written one of these yet, because I know his... Uh, I know his... Uh, one of his idols is Billy Wilder. He hasn't written a screwball comedy yet, has no. he? No. Why hasn't? I mean, he is so good with dialogue, you would think he would just get you know, just two really fast talkers, really attractive fast talkers, right. throw them in a, a weird madcap situation and just have them bounce dialogue off each other like Flubber and, and Super Bowls. And you know, the great thing about this is that he um, you know, he went back and he went undercover as a high school student. Yeah. Uh, and you couldn't do that anymore, but he went back uh, to high school and he went undercover as a student 
went to school as a year for a year with everybody thinking he was just another student there. Mm -hmm. Then wrote the novel Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which they made into this movie. And I've always wanted somebody to go back and interview the kids who went to school with him, thinking that he was like, you know, whatever his name was, you know, uh -huh. you know Bob Johnson or whatever. Someone, someone should have done it by now. I'm surprised Crow himself hasn't done it by now. Like yeah. gone back and talked to him. Wasn't that sort of the basis of uh, Never Been Kissed, which is another teen movie? Ah, Sarah loves Never Been Kissed. Really? Yeah. Isn't that sort of the basis? Josie Grossi goes back to well, high school? Well, yeah, she goes, like, yeah, she's a reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times, and uh, she goes back, but she was a total dork in high school, so she her mission is to try and get in with the popular click, and she doesn't know how to be popular. Oh, uh, okay. It's I a great movie. I own it. I love it. I just remember David Arquette was in it. It's one of the few roles of his that I wasn't just horribly upset at him for being an idiot. Yeah. That and Scream, which I still think is a pretty underrated horror film. Mm. The sequels have tarnished that shine, but the original Scream is a Pretty That's a good conversation. <laughs> all, right. all right, here we go. Number one, top five teen films of all time. Number, Number one, one, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yep. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to say yes or no. I just, I'm not what quite was sure. It, what was the specific category? Teen, teen films. Top five teen, teen movies of all time. Period. This, I mean, I guess I, I this guess is I the can't. The ultimate teen fantasy. I guess I can't think of a reason why not. I'll put yeah. it that way. Even to this day, everyone knows what, what you mean when you're like Bueller. Totally. Yeah. Bueller. Grace. <laughs> it sucks that that actor ended up having some shady stuff on yeah. his uh, on his crime role because his performance as Ed Rooney is one of the best slow burns in cinematic history. He's like right up there with Charles Grodin from Midnight Run. And, and you know, he would be he'd be the guy to play Jim Roop too. <laughs> They're like dead ringers for each oh, other. Absolutely. They're dead ringers. Oh, Ed, with your bad back, you shouldn't be throwing anybody. Thanks, Grace. I think you're wrong. One-way ticket to nowhere. Come, <laughs> my friends. You know, Alan Ruck in this film is so good. He's like the underrated. He's the MVP, I think. Not even so much Broderick, because Broderick, after a while, that 80s smarm starts right. to rub you the wrong way. But Alan Ruck is Cameron. You know, and the Cameron, and Hughes does that great thing of like... You know, he slips that serious in there without you really realizing he's doing it. And before you before you realize it, you're kind of caring about the characters in this kind of silly mm. movie. Ah, uh, when Cameron was in Egypt, <laughs> let my Cameron... He's just going to keep calling me. He's just going to keep calling me. Okay, I'll go. 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 Ah! I'll go. <laughs> Another great moment uh, is that... So that's how it is in their family. Oh, that's right. It's like seeing the dad make out with his daughter, presumably. Do you have a kiss for daddy? Oh. Ah. <laughs> All right. Well done, sir. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Fatboy Roberts from Rock 101 KUFO, 7 to midnight. Back after this, Tim Riley and High Concept Thursday. Stay
Rick Emerson radio program. Happy birthday, Sarah Dillon. Thank you. Thank you so much, Guy Von Dickens. Yeah. I keep looking for Henry Rollins. I must be thinking, I must be thinking of some other video. I think he might be in one of the videos. I don't know if Link 182, ladies and gentlemen. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Oh, Richie pointed out we never played They're Coming to Take Me Away. We're going to do that before Tim goes today. Uh, Steve, it still makes you vomit. <laughs> All right, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry and of Truth. Now, now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Now there's a lot of concern over in the hill country that more houses might fall down. The hillside got wet, and that could be part of the reason. Apparently, this house that fell over had been recently remodeled, and some work was done to the foundation. Wait, let me understand. So when your house is built on a hill made out of dirt, mm-hmm. and it gets wet, mm-hmm. this might be bad. <laughs> yeah. All right. If you don't live on flat land like Joe Sixpack, it's Joe Forty ounce, Tim. Our new, uh, our new target demo is Joe Forty ounce. All right. Well, there you go. Well, they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar again, AIG. Remember, we bailed them out last week for $85 billion, and they got caught at that big junket mm-hmm. in California. And they asked for $37 billion more today because they're running out of money. Ugh. Well, now they've been caught planning a similar event at a $400 a night hotel. Are you kidding me? I'm serious. Uh, they, were, they were holding this conference that was supposed to be at the Ritz-Carlton in California's Half Moon Bay it's been canceled today after a reevaluation of costs and new circumstances. Uh-huh. So it was going to cost $400 a night. So apparently it would have been, you know, the taxpayers would have been raised like on South Park, but they put an end to it. Okay. How bad are things? It looks like the Spice Girls are selling the Spice World, the movie, Double Decker Bus. It's being sold on the eBay we're about to, it's up to seven thousand dollars right now. You know what they ought to do? I was thinking about this because they, they, with movie props, mm-hmm. I was thinking you know you go to that uh, Mike Clark's Movie Madness, which is a great yeah. video store, and he's got all those you know he's got like the Psycho Knife and he's got the uh, what he's got that like some Austin Powers stuff. And I mean I'm, you know he's got a whole bunch of like he's got some Wizard of Oz things and he's got the uh, what's his name Julius from Pulp Fiction, the kid that gets shot in the head or whatever. He's got that like the the the, the prop or the doll or whatever they use for that. But, you know, they, they, you buy these pieces of movie memorabilia, and it's like, so it's, it's always some guy. It's always like some Jeff Bezos guy who spends like $5 billion to buy something that you would love to have, and then, like, he keeps it. They ought to rent movie memorabilia. In other words, you know, like, if you want to have it, like, you want to you know, have it or, like, impress your friends with it or show it around or something, like, maybe you can't buy the Spice World bus, but Sarah would probably save up to rent the Spice World bus for a day. You know what I mean? And then, like, look, you sign a thing, like, if you drive it off a cliff or something, then you're on the hook for it. But, I mean, you know, so you assume financial uh, liability, but you get to rent a movie prop. Mm-hmm. Because how cool would that be if they said, look, uh, we've got one of these original C-3PO costumes. Now, if you were going to buy it, it's like 50 grand. It, you can rent it for a grand, though, and have it at, like, your nerd party this weekend. They could, And they would make more money over time with that, I think. There's another idea that I'm suggesting that nobody's going to do. Oh, by the way, so speaking of great ideas that we talk about and that are done by other people, did you see this? Uh... Do you see this here? Uh, we were just suggesting this yesterday. This is from Jasper, Indiana, from the Associated Press. Listen to this. Two challengers for an Indiana congressional seat have agreed to be hooked to lie detectors during a debate. Well, but an official with the incumbents party, of course, dismisses the idea as bizarre. Ninth District Republican Chairman Larry Schickles 
On Wednesday, proposed the political polygraphs for Democratic Representative Baron Hill, Republican challenger Mike Sodrell, and Libertarian candidate Eric Schonsberg. The three are scheduled to debate October 21st. Uh, hey, but, and that, but that reminds me of this. So, lie detector, blah, 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 blah. We were talking about on CNN, they have the undecided graph at the bottom. And then um, on, if you have HD on the side, you can see how they're scoring it. Even if they can't hook these guys to lie detectors, you know, you can get those things that analyze your voice stress. And it's like they use in sneakers, but you can buy those. And it's like you, somebody's voice stress, and it, uh, it, you know, it sort of, uh, it, um, um, you know, it reveals exactly how much stress is going on and whether or not they are probably lying about something, uh, because it betrays like sort of, you know, like kind of quavers in your voice or hesitation or whatever. Somebody should totally do that. Some network, and by network I mean CBS, ought to just do that where they hook up a voice stress analyzer to the debate, and then that's on the screen, and when you can you can see when like Barack Obama's probably lying about something. I mean, it really, I mean, if people want to capture eyeballs and just continue to sort of have people watching their stuff in this age of instant gratification and the Internet and stratification and all that, they got to, like, get on the stick and do something interesting. You've got to amuse people if they're going to tune out. Isn't that right, Tim? Absolutely. What? Absolutely. We should play the vomit song now. Okay. Um, Let's play the vomit song. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's now time to... Uh, it's not. Not that vomit song. So, all right, we're going to go ahead and play this. This is uh, Napoleon the 14th. They're coming to take me away. We were talking about um, novelty songs earlier. This was 1966. This song used to make Tim feel like he was going to vomit. You said it made the it made your schoolmates, your school chums, uh, ill as well, perhaps because they were smoking marijuana. It terrified me as a kid, by the way. Then I got a whole list of emails of songs that used to terrify you. Somebody said the Oompa Loompa song used to make me cry, says this woman. Um, so without further ado, this is the number three pop hit, They're Coming to Take Me Away by Napoleon the Fourteenth. Remember when you ran away and I got on my knees and begged you not to leave because I go berserk? Well, you left me anyhow, and then the days got worse and worse, and now you see I've gone completely out of my mind. And they're coming to take me away, ha-ha, they're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha, to the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time, and I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats, and they're coming to take me away, You thought it was a joke, and so you laughed. You laughed when I had said that losing you would make me flip my lid. Right? You know you laughed. I heard you laugh. You laughed, you laughed, and laughed, and then you left. But now you know I'm utterly mad. And it's still freaking me out. To take me away, ha ha. They're coming to take me away, ho ho, hee hee. Wait, just, just define awesome. With trees and flowers and chirping birds and basket weavers who sit and smile and twiddle their thumbs and toes and they're coming to take me away, I cooked your food, I cleaned your house, and this is how you pay me back for all my kind, unselfish, loving deeds. Huh? Well, you just wait. They'll find you yet. And when they do, they'll put you in the ASPCA, you mangy mutt. And they're coming to take me away, ha-ha. They're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha. To the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time. And I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats. And they're coming to take me away, ha-ha. To the happy home with trees and flowers and chirping birds. 
birds and basket weavers who sit and smile and twiddle their thumbs and toes and they're coming to take me away. Well, there you go. That's awesome. You know why I like it? Because it reminds <sighs> me of the song that I'm obsessed with from that new Paris Hilton movie that's coming out, uh, Repo, the genetic opera. Oh, the, that, the, the, the gothic opera like, vampire thing? Ten seconds. Listen to how similar they are. All right. Drug market. But listen to when he speaks. Like, sounds exactly like the guy. Sometimes I wonder why I ever got in. And it's got that. Dun, I'm obsessed dun, dun, with this song. This is like the Sisters of Mercy does Napoleon XIV. Sometimes I wonder why they need me at all. Zytrate comes in a little glass vial. Oh my God. And the little glass vial goes into the gun like a battery. <laughs> and the Zytrate gun goes somewhere against you and Wow. Seriously, there's a lawsuit being filed right now. <laughs> Damn, man. That's that, that's why I like that song then. Okay, that is the same song. that's a stunning similarity. I think Mr. Fourteenth is calling his lawyer. Right now. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> wow, that is that's quite something, that similarity. All right, well, see, so you view the song through a different prison, probably. So, Tim, you didn't vomit, though. <laughs> well, I've matured. That was like 30 years ago. Yeah. Well, he's leaving quite hurriedly. I mean, it's, it was still freaking me out, not nearly as badly as it did when I was a kid, but, man, when I was a... That song horrified me when I was a child. And it, you know what it is? It's because of that relentless dun da dun da dun And there's no bridge. There's no... You know, there's a chorus, I guess. But, I mean, there's no change. Like, it's just relentless. So, all right, there you go. Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at four, five, six, and seven, top of the air, all the way through Lycus. I don't want it. What are you doing, Tim? I don't want to insult Richie twice. Are you leaving the the warm up massage or what is it? Is it massage He's lotion like or is it like a? Because he doesn't want to hurt Richie's feelings. I, I have to take my liquid love with me. <laughs> there you go. Tim's liquid love will return tomorrow, kids. Okay. This email says, Rick, about they're coming to take me away. My grandmother would sing that song to me as a little kid growing up. I had no idea it was a real song. I always thought she made that song up in some fit of crazy. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Well, should we break? Yeah, and then let's, and let's do the high concept. Do we want to try? Do I want to pitch for it now? Yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, well, so here's what we're going to do. We'll see if this works or not. Um, today's high concept topic, it is Sarah Dillon's birthday today. So today's high concept is worst birthday present I ever received was. There you go. It's 503 733 2970. 503-733-2970. Well, I think we've got an Oompa Loompa call around the corner, too. Not like from an Oompa Loompa, but... Uh, so today's high concept topic. The worst birthday present I ever received was when the Rick Emerson Show returns. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day. Final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Like us at 3, like us 101 at 5, Michael Mara Show at 7. Join us tomorrow when our guest will include uh, Scott Daly and a listener uh, who will be selected later on in this afternoon. Later on in the afternoon, we'll pick a listener to come on and do their top five teenage moping songs tomorrow. Then we'll do Lisa Desjardins next week. Uh, they, were, they were done with that. Done. Done forever. Uh, also, tomorrow, final pair of uh, Henry Rollins tickets. We'll be giving those uh, away, and I think we're going to try to get Dorothy Carson. Sorry. All right. Without further ado, it is Sarah Dillon's uh, birthday today. Uh, and so we are doing an Instapoll based on that worst birthday present ever. The uh, Instapoll today is the, the Instapoll. High Concept Thursday is, they're basically the same thing, yeah. but like a different name. Uh, High Concept Thursday, the worst birthday present I ever got was, what was Aaron's? 
Aaron's was <laughs> his parents got divorced on his 21st birthday. Oh. And I got one from Lowe, who um, his worst, worst birthday present was he got chicken pox on his 13th birthday. There you go. Uh, all right, so it is the uh, Rick Emerson High Concept Thursday segment. The worst birthday present you ever received was, hello, hi. Hey, good morning or good evening. Good afternoon, guys. Mailman Brian. Hey. Happy birthday, Sarah. Thank you, Brian. You are welcome. Uh, first of all, let me say that my brother's ringer on my telephone, my cell phone, is they're coming to take me away. All right, that's creepy. Appropriate. Uh, so my worst birthday present ever, I wanted a baritone one, but I got a bass harmonica. Okay. Goodbye. Thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Happy birthday, Sarah. The worst birthday present I ever got when I was eight was my dad bought me a girl's bike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you might already win. Oh, that yeah, sucks. I'm right, sorry. Right pink in a banana seat with streamers. It was, uh, yeah, it's not scarred me at all. That's no good. All right, thank you. All right. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, sorry, I just hung up on... Sorry, I just hung up on a guy. Sorry about that. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi, Concept Thursday. Worst birthday present ever. Yes, it is me? Yes, it is. Hello. Prairie Fire Shops at Shakers, Sarah. You can probably appreciate that. At Shakers? Yeah. Oh, is it a Bremerton God. thing? No, that's a Pullman. Oh. It doesn't exist I, anymore. I that's took, the one you're talking I about, took, right? I took three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On my 21st birthday. Do you remember uh, Corner Mart Bob? I do. Okay. Yeah, I know. I'm, I missed that place. I'm sad that there's a whole generation of people that will never know it. Yeah, I know. Anyway, yeah, that was uh, the best and worst birthday of my life. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, there you go. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. So, mine wasn't really a present. It was just a really weird thing that happened. When I turned 22, Ed Whalen, the sports guy, showed up at my birthday party. Uh-huh. Gave it the Burnt Biscuit Award and left with my date. It was very weird. All right, it's thanks. Weird. I don't know what we're talking about. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, worst birthday present ever. Um, I have the black sheep in our family. My Mormon grandpa gives me Mormon stuff every year. I'm 26 and not going to be Mormon. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Uh, high Concept Thursday, 503-733-3970. Worst birthday present ever. I've never had a birthday present, but I broke my brother's nose on, our, on his 20th birthday. All right, so you were the giver of the bad present. I was the giver of an apple sandwich. All right, there you go. Thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Worst birthday present ever. Hey, Rick, I was in the Navy, and we were coming back from a deployment. We crossed the international date line, uh, and it happened to be on my birthday. So the day before was February 19th. The day after was February 21st, and my birthday was skipped altogether. <laughs> That's great. I never, I mean, not for you. I never really thought about that happening. Hey, it wait, if, if you, hold on. If you'd been going the other way, would you have had two days of birthdays? Yes, it would have been uh, double the pleasure, double oh, the fun. All right, thank you. That's your ever. Thank you, my friend. That one's great. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Worst birthday present ever. A vacuum cleaner to clean my stepmother's house. That does suck. Did you yeah. get to go to a ball later with a glass slipper? No. <laughs> all right, thank you. One more. Hi, this is probably the last one. Hi, uh, probably the last call of the day. Uh, worst uh, birthday present ever. Oh, geez, it was an Avon product decanter full of, like, musk in 1979. An Avon decanter full of musk. <laughs> Sir, they're coming to take you away, so I'll let you go. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. I can't do better than that. That was, like, a great call and, like, a little call back there. Uh, all right. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio Correspondents Jim Roop, Lisa Desjardins, and uh, so forth and uh, whatnot. Uh, don't forget, like us next. Like us 101 at 5, Michael Maris Show at 7. See you tomorrow with Scott Daly and Dorothy Carcer from the National Enquirer. Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and birthday having Sarah X. Dillon. Happy birthday from all of us. Thank you. Uh, Tim Riley in the newsroom, Richie Bristol on the phones, gatekeeper Dave Zinn, webmistress Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F with me, Reynolds. Thanks to Bobby Roberts as well. See you all tomorrow. 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grin down. Watch out for snakes. Bye now. Thanks.